It's Christmas time in Gotham, and the city is in turmoil. Corrupt businessman Max Shrek wants to recall the mayor so he can dominate Gotham's power supply. To pull this off, Max makes a deal with psychotic mutant birdman Oswald Cobblepot, better known as the Penguin. The Penguin is Max's candidate. He has a shot to steal the election. Meanwhile, insecure secretary Selina Kyle has a reawakening as the psychotic Catwoman, and she wants Max dead. Standing in the way of injustice is the Dark Knight himself, the heroic Batman, in Tim Burton's second superhero outing, 1992's Batman Returns. I'm Connor Zagari. I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday and Merry Christmas, listeners. This is the 115th episode of the Filmgasm podcast and our fourth time venturing into Gotham City. We did our 30th episode on the history of the Joker in cinema. Then we did our eighth bonus on 2019's Joker. And then our 45th episode tackled the two Joel Schumacher films, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. So here we are once again, only this time it's personal. We're both huge fans of Burton's two Batman films, but I think this one especially is dear to your heart. Yes, the 92 Batman Returns is, is you know, my, probably my favorite live-action Batman movie. We'll have some stuff to say about the animated stuff later, I think. But it, uh, it stands alone as far as the production design and costumes and all that comic booky stuff that you really want out of a superhero movie. Uh, Tim Burton totally understood what, what was going on in the early 90s and... I love the 89 one, but this one has a beat by just a hair. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty unique in the way it tackles Gotham City. Uh, Burton was the first to really take the characters of Penguin and Catwoman into a very literal interpretation. <laughs> Where you have an amphibious Penguin man and a psychotic woman who really thinks she's a cat. In the comics, Penguin was a stocky, little, you know, rich, cockney gangster, and Catwoman was a... You know, a cat burglar. She was a woman who used cats to steal jewelry. <laughs> so, quite a big leap. <laughs> yeah, and, and so necessary. You know, Annette Benning is supposed to play Catwoman. And then, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer does a great job. And Danny DeVito. They're kind of like, you know, it's the perfect casting of the, these two characters. And it works so well, the fact that they try to use, use like you said, they're actually a cat and actually a penguin. <laughs> and it totally works for me uh, almost 30 years later. It wouldn't work if Burton wasn't behind the camera because he <laughs> he can interpret these crazy versions of this character of these characters, but make them real and make them pop because that's what Burton's done throughout his whole career is make weird shit accessible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, and make it popular. You know, this movie in, in the United States was, I think, third highest grossing film in the United States. Fucking crazy. Right. You know, of course, it's a superhero movie, but. Burton still knows how to, no matter what he's doing, kind of knows how to connect with the audience in, in a big way. Yeah, for a while anyway. He uh... Not now. <laughs> I would say that cut off, what, about 10 years ago? <laughs> I think Planet of the Apes is what did him in. But he, tri- he came back with Sweeney Todd. It did not last very long. And now he's in God knows where. I think he's developing an Adam's Family series. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, you know, I really, really enjoy... Uh, Frank and Weenie, but that's like something so few and far between. Sweeney Todd's in 2007, Frank Weenie's 2013, just not not enough in the past, you know, decade or so of, of good shit. But 30, 25, 30 years ago, the man knew knew how to make a film. The guy's done so many incredible 
uh, sci-fi fantasy classics that we kind of forgive all the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we're probably too harsh on some filmmakers than we, we give, yeah, we give Burton uh, because of what he gave us in the 90s. And, yeah. uh, you know, Better Returns, obviously, for, for me, it stands at the top of what he's given us. Uh, there's so many cool movies. I know you 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 feel connected to a lot of them, uh, but Returns is kind of like the for me the peak of his powers. He's he's really, really making a wonderful movie that that's just last still stands, and I don't see it going anywhere. You know, forever. It's it's the production design is so strong, and his Gotham is so weird and unique that I, I don't see it going anywhere. The two filmmakers that I think are solely responsible for my development as a movie geek uh, when I was a child are Robert Zemeckis and Tim Burton. And I'll never forget that. Beetlejuice and Mars Attacks have been a part of my life, my entire life. So Burton could make nothing but shit films to the day he dies, and I will still love the guy. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. When someone does something like that, especially as a kid, and then you have that knowledge of, oh my God, they did all these things that I liked as a kid? you know. And, and of course, his work on Nightmare Before Christmas, right, is like a huge deal. He wasn't the director, but he's totally the mind behind the characters and what's happening. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, huge, huge for, you know, kids like us, like you said, nerdy kids, geeks that want to connect with something a little bit dif- different, a little bit darker, a little bit weirder. Absolutely. And you know, he's kind of, his work has taken on a life of its own almost nightmare before Christmas, especially <laughs> has become almost like an anthem for the goth community. Yeah. That, I find that to be odd, but you know, I, I get it. it. A lot of a lot of stuff gets attached to you know, like you said, like certain cultures and yeah. I, I'm I don't consider myself a goth at all, but I love Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Me too. Uh. <laughs> so before we really get started, I've got two epic updates on the rewind. Hell yeah! One for episode forty-eight on Zodiac. Oh, <laughs> and one for episode seventy-four on Alien. First up, Disney. De- yeah. de- decent flicks. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> If I had to say, yeah, all right, sure, check it out. First up, Disney has confirmed that an Alien TV series is in development at FX, and if you are wondering why I said Disney, that's because when Disney acquired 20th Century Fox, they also acquired every property under 20th Century Fox, including the Alien franchise. Uh, They are developing a TV series at FX with Fargo showrunner Noah Hawley helming the project. It's been described as the first story in the Alien franchise to take place on Earth. The intention is to blend the horror of the first alien with the balls-out action of aliens, and Ridley Scott is in talks to serve as executive producer. This could be incredible if they do it right. And Noah Hawley is a very cool name to attach to this. He's already proven he is very good at adapting other people's work with Fargo, and yeah, I'm, I'm psyched for this. Yeah, yeah, and to, to tack onto that, I think with his work on Fargo, uh, just a fucking excellent show. Four seasons in now, all seasons, all four seasons have something great to offer. And then he goes with FX and does Legion and proves that he can, he can also really, really fuck with the sci-fi. He can tack on what he does at the end of season two of Fargo. Weird UFO stuff, UFO stuff happening. That's all I'll say for anybody who hasn't seen Fargo season two. Get on that. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think Holly is very interested in, you know, that uh, he also did Lucy in the Sky, uh, directed that film, which got kind of panned, but um, I, I actually thought it was okay with Natalie Portman. And I think he's very interested in this stuff. And the fact that he's, like you said, has proven himself in the TV world, not so much in the movie world, but he's a great writer, has written some novels, and uh, just knows how to 
please an audience that's kind of waiting for something they didn't know they were waiting for. Yeah. And Fargo did that over and over and over and over and played with a, an aesthetic that just gave me chills damn near every episode. And if he, if he can match that magic with alien <laughs> an even cooler, <laughs> an even cooler movie with alien and aliens, ah, you know, it, it is very, very intriguing. And we hear stuff all the time about stuff getting re, you know, revisited or, whatever this is one that i actually care about uh i think we're both in the same boat on this one we're actually gonna watch this show (laughs) yeah well it sounds like they actually are putting together a team of people who want to make this good i mean you know getting ridley scott on board is a huge win and noah hawley is such a cool unique like vision a visionary who i think can really pull something off with this yes and uh, I'm excited to see this come to Earth. I mean, aliens never come to Earth if you don't count alien versus predator movies, which nobody really does. And I mean, you know, they teased Earth through the entire franchise and we never got to go there. So I don't know. I'm psyched. I, I want to see this. <laughs> uh, me too. Me too. S- sign me up kind of over and over again. Yeah. I, I, I actually I don't do this with TV, but I will actually set it up to record and I will watch every episode. I, I, I very rarely do that. Maybe with, with Fargo yeah. or Better Call Saul, but that's really it out of the past year. I just don't do that with TV. So yeah. it is cool to have that, to have in this medium that I don't visit a lot, have something that I'm really excited for, really jazzed about. Straight up. And it's going to be on FX, which means they're not going to pull punches. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, and you know, FX is also, if you listen to us before, we love It's Always Sunny. So they, they do some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, look. What, a, what cool news. Very. You had texted um, you had texted us, you know, um, Josh, myself, and we we're, were amped. You know, this is going to be, this is exciting. <laughs> and the fact that they're kind of only talking about alien and aliens is a good sign. <laughs> that's that's all the, what they're pulling from. That's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they do these days. They take what was good and they build off that. Yeah. that You know, you and I could rave about 2018's Halloween for hours and it's because they respected the original 78 brought it literally back to life and then some you know and that's that's what we love yeah hell yeah Ugh. so cool second and this was insane and unexpected the fbi has announced that the infamous 340 cipher sent by the zodiac killer to the san francisco chronicle in 1969 has been cracked by a team of codebreakers. Uh, David Orenchak, a software developer in Virginia, Jarl van Eyck, a Belgian computer programmer, and Sam Blake, an Australian mathematician. The following is the message decoded. I hope you are having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner, because now I have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. <laughs> the TV show the message refers to is the Jim Dunbar show, a Bay Area television talk show. The cipher was sent two weeks after a person claiming to be the Zodiac called into the show. And uh, all this can be seen in the 2007 thriller Zodiac. But holy shit, 51 years later, they cracked this code. And it's the ravings of a fucking madman, as expected. I, uh, immediately when you said the three names of the team that needs to be a film yes a film about an australian you said a belgian and who's the other virginia Uh, an american (laughs) give me a film about those three people figuring this shit out i'll watch that you know hand over fist all day (laughs) that's that's incredible you know 
I had seen a headline, but I didn't, you know, quite know exactly what had happened, and I hadn't actually read it like you just did. Uh, makes me want to watch Zodiac. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, uh, the scene with Brian Cox is is one of the best scenes of the of the film when you have the the call in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's so so crazy, man. And that, like you said, 50, over 50 years. Yeah, Jesus. Well, they were hoping that this cipher would include his identity, obviously. Of course, but no. No. <laughs> Zodiac's not going to just give you that. But they are hoping that, you know, with advances in DNA evidence and everything that's going on owing down, like the way they caught the Golden State Killer, yes. they might be able to finally put a name to this son of a bitch, which would be unreal. That'd be the coolest headline. <laughs> Zodiac Killer Unmasked. Unbelievable. And we might actually get to see that headline in the next few years. It's <laughs> insane. Zodiac remains one of our, I think, most well-researched and, uh, like, biggest episodes, I think. I'm really proud of that one. Yeah, and it's a movie that I don't really I don't really see a problem with ever redoing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on, on, on our show here, uh, you know, within the years to come, I think it's one of the most rewatchable movies of the, you know, of the century in the sense that of course, you know, movies like guardians of the galaxy are really rewatchable, but Zodiac is rewatchable on, uh, in the tense that, uh, in the sense that you kind of see something different every time, greatness, every time you, something you missed out on and you kind of latch onto. And I, I adore it so much. And so this kind of stuff, it's why David Fincher, his movies are so cool. Cause it's like, it's, it's alive. It's alive. Like social network, it's alive. You know, these things are, they're still happening <laughs> and Zodiac still happening. Crazy that there's still news about it. Ugh. Yeah. Well, it's one, it's one of the most infamous American mysteries and maybe could be the most. Could right? be. It could At this be. Point, yeah. It's, it's fucked up. You know, a lot of people were killed by a maniac who taunted the police. Yeah. And I, I think we're pretty sure we know who it was, but he's dead. So we can't arrest him. But, you know, that might be way off. It might just be circumstantial. We'll never, we, I hope we find out, but there's a good to fair chance we're never going to know who the Zodiac Killer was. But Fincher's movie did such a great job kind of telling that story in a subjective way. Yes. Where he doesn't straight up tell you who the Zodiac was. He just tells you what everybody thought and makes, lets you make your own decision on that. And I thought that was brilliant. It was so well constructed. It freaked me out. Like, I got scared at the end of it. I don't know why. Oh, my God. But I started, like, hearing, you know, I started hearing things. I got a little freaked out. Fucking A. That was John, amazing. John Carroll Lynch. <laughs> yeah. You know, just one, one of the most frightening performances I've ever seen. Yeah. What does he say? I'm not the Zodiac, but if I was, I wouldn't tell you. Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> the Watch. Eerie. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's a great film. Yeah. And, and of course, like, yeah, the fact that it's. It's it's a breathing. It's a thing that it's a story that, like you said, in the next few years could have more headlines. It's just nuts. It's fantastic. So, what is it about Batman Returns that makes it your favorite Batman movie and your favorite Christmas movie? Yeah, fa- favorite Batman movie. I'll, I'll, I'll say that first. So, so if we're talking about you know live action, you know, you you go to you know eighty nine. Of course, I adore with Nicholson and Keaton. Of course, Tim Burton. At the helm, I love that movie. This one, ninety-two beats it by hair. You get to the Schumacher ones; those, of course, are quite silly and don't know what to do. You and I were talking earlier today about how the villains—they just have no idea what they want to be, or you know, it's quite frustrating. Um, then you, you, of course, get to the the Nolan trilogy, which I think has its strong moments, but also has some weak moments. I think Batman Begins is the strongest film of all three, but Dark Knight has the best moments with Joker, of course, and Two Face. Um, 
and I, I, I think Rises is, is, is okay. Of all of those, I, Returns is definitely my favorite of all those, and but it, you, you know, you did something to me <laughs> back when we did the um, Joker episode. You let me borrow some, some Batman uh, animated films that I hadn't seen since I was a child. <laughs> uh, mainly, uh, Mask of the Phantasm from 93? Yeah. And Return of the Joker from 2000. Both, like, almost 10 out of 10 movies. <laughs> I, I, like, I kid you not, they're probably the best of all the movies I've named so far. Damn. I think the most complete best movies. Return of the Joker is fucking stellar. So well written, so well thought out. Incredible story. I don't think there's any live action Batman movie that has as good of a story as those two. Phantasm and Return of the Joker. But it's really hard to compare when you have this just, you know, you know, eye-popping production design from Tim Burton and Batman 89 and Returns from 92. It's hard to compare the two. And I'm usually going to lean towards the live action one usually. Ah, it's hard to say. <laughs> But, but man, those, those two animated films have something to say, I think. Uh, and I wrote a top five maybe a year and a half ago about, you know, my, my five favorite Batman movies. And I didn't include the animated ones. Uh, and, you know, it, that change, that's changed over time. Uh, Return of the Joker is, is probably, you know, it's right there with Returns. It's, those are my, probably my two favorite. Uh, they're great. I know you feel a little bit stronger about all of them than I do. I know you care more about the Nolan trilogy. Um, I'm not trying to sweep those to the side. I, they have great things to offer. But but I much prefer the eighty nine and ninety two. Yeah, fair enough. They you know they're the Batman movies I grew up with. I have a soft spot for Batman Forever and Batman and Robin because I watched those a lot when I was a kid. They're yeah. fucking terrible movies, but they're fun. They are fun. We, we had that fun. That episode was fun as hell. Yeah, that was fun. And these movies are dark, and they really do a great job of representing Batman. Michael Keaton is my favorite live action Batman. That has not changed. Okay, but I think the Nolan trilogy embraces this world in a much more realistic and relatable fashion, which is really cool to see like a grounded Batman. Yeah. And I love the way he handled, you know, the Joker and Two-Face and Ra's al Ghul, Scarecrow, Bane. Like I thought they were all done so well. Scarecrow's sick. And they felt like realistic characters, like real terrorists who could attack, you know, Chicago or something. I thought that was brilliant. And I'm still waiting for another good Batman movie. I wish that, Ben Affleck had gotten a chance to do something really good with the character. He did not. And I think Robert Pattinson's going to blow us all away. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I skipped those because I yeah. simply can't compare them to the rest. Even even the Schumacher ones, because the Schumacher ones are silly and they kind of know it. Yeah. But those Affleck ones, yikes, man. Nolan's uh, trilogy was serious, but earned it. Yeah, no, no, you're right, man. It yeah. is much more rel- relatable. This could happen. These things could yeah. Some, some of this stuff could happen, you know, and you very much see New York City in Chicago. Yeah, I firmly believe that if Elon Musk upped his workout regimen and cared a little bit more about people, he could be Batman. <laughs> 100%. Whereas, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman was the first Batman to be in live action alongside Superman and Wonder Woman and Cyborg and The Flash yeah. and these larger-than-life big superheroes but the films were so poorly constructed. Batman versus Superman, Justice League, these were shit. (laughs) And that's such a shame because it was such a big opportunity for DC to finally show up Marvel and they dropped the ball so goddamn hard. 
never picked it up. Never, it was em- never had the ball in their hands. It's like it was. They're constantly fumbling. It was embarrassing. Uh, uh, oh man! I, when we were working at the theater, and when that came out, when Justice League came out, I was like, "This is a fucking shit show," you know, because you have fans walking out of it like, "What in the fuck was that?" <laughs> and you're like, "Oh god," you know, just especially compared to what more. Infinity War just, you know, is coming out. Endgame is coming out. Just not even close in competition to... And, you know, of course, those those are the two things. Marvel and DC. Yeah. Step your fucking game up, man. <laughs> Jesus. Would you have... All right, so in 2016, Captain America Civil War was coming out. We all knew that was going to be good. Mm-hmm. But we also had Batman versus Superman. The first time these two titans of pop culture were facing each other in live action. A movie that should have been a guaranteed billion dollar hit. And it was such a fucking mess. <laughs> I, it was horrible. I was almost, you know, two and a half hours of basically nothing. There's so much shoved into that movie, but so little return. It's amazing. It's a mess. Like, I feel like fucking up that movie would be harder than making it succeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you have to really try to make that movie bad. But Zack Snyder did. He tried very hard. So yeah, I'll always be bitter about that shit. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> you know, it's a, it, it, and you know, Pattinson has like his work cut out for him. Reeves has his work cut out for him because they have to make up. They're kind of the redeemed team, you know? Yeah. Uh, what Joker did with Todd Phillips and, you know, it, it's getting us excited again for what's to come, what could possibly come for DC. But yeah, I, I, I'll never quite forgive them for just that the past decade. Like, what have y'all been doing? What are y'all doing? Aquaman's your best movie? Really? Like, good <laughs> God, you know? It's a joke. It's a, You know, I was on a cruise at w- uh, one time in 2016. Um, and I was with my family's Carnival Cruise. We just went to, you know, the Bahamas and um, they showed movies every night. And they showed Batman vs. Superman. And there was at one point, there was a, a kid, maybe, maybe nine or ten. And he's like, Mom, he's walking with his mom. Mom, why would they show this one and not the good one? And I'm like... <laughs> Even he knows. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's fantastic! I did a cruise two years prior to that carnival to the Bahamas, nice. And they showed Captain America: The Winter Soldier, but solid flick. They the way the camera was like positioned, half the fucking movie was cut off, and nobody could fix it. Oh god! <laughs> so really, sucks. I was watching Patane America: yeah, yeah. The Winter Sold, <laughs> and um. Not a great way to watch that, <laughs> but um, yeah, good times. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman, just from the trailer alone, I can tell he understands this character way more than Zack Snyder ever did. Uh, yes. So I have, I don't have a lot of worries over the Batman. No, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be solid. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm wicked amped. I think Pattinson is gonna be the best live action Batman since your boy Michael Keaton. I really do. <laughs> My boy. Hey, he, 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 Connor goes to bat for Michael Keaton. Uh-huh. I tell you what, look for good reason. You know, yeah. you, you already mentioned Beetlejuice, you know, and then obviously like later on, as you and I are like getting really into film as adults, you know, he, he does Birdman and the founder and shit like that and spotlight. And we're like, yeah. Whoa, this guy's the man. I've loved, I love his eighties comedies. And I was so, so happy to see him have a massive career resurgence with Birdman. And now we back on top again. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm loving everything he's doing. Me too. Yeah, it's the best. And not only that, but like in talk shows and stuff, he seems like a really humble, happy to be here kind of guy. One of the best Instagram follows, (laughs) uh, you know, that I can think of because he, 
you know, he gets a little political and it's just very funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love like every time he's given a speech or something or he's talking about superheroes, he will inevitably sneak in and I'm Batman. Yeah. Just to make people smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You know, he's uh, it's almost 70. Did you know that? Jesus Christ. He looks great. Yeah, I know. Wow, we, we've done that a few times with the actors. We're like, whoa, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Denzel was one of those guys. Yeah, like, I just found... What the hell? Yeah, you just told me that the other day. I couldn't fucking believe it. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> ah, fantastic. So, why? all right, that's that explains why it's your favorite Batman movie. Why is it your favorite Christmas movie? Okay, Christmas movie. Well, I, you know, there's, there's always the silly debate of like, what's really a Christmas movie and what isn't. You know, it's up to you. It's yeah. always up to you. And of course... You know, for me, I, I prefer, you know, the Batman Returns and the Diehards and the Scrooged and Home Alone and those ones. Yeah. I'm not really about, you know, like the traditional traditional stuff that people watch. You know, um, I, I can't even think of maybe you have some examples like uh, like I, I, you know, I haven't even watched, you know, the like Charlie Brown special in a long time. Stuff like that that people go back the Grinch and these things. I, I prefer these. The ones that are like a little bit more like my kind of movies already. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy them anyway. And returns right away. There's a there's a Merry Christmas right at the very beginning. You know that you hear right away, and you're like, oh, okay, this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> and um, I, I find Christmas to be this is you know take it or leave it. I find it to be uh, sometimes a pretty dark, pretty dark time. I, I I love what it does for some people. I love that it brings people together. Uh, I think the act of giving is something that we should just do throughout the year not just on a day. Uh, that's something I cherish about our friendship is we just kind of like, like to give each other shit like movies and stuff. <laughs> and that's really cool. Uh, I love that. But Christmas is sort of a shit show. Sometimes if you go to, you know, say target on a certain day and people are fighting over things and you know, it's supposed to be fun and you know, all bubbly, but people take things very seriously and they, they want their, their meal to be the best. They're spread their all the gifts under their tree and this and that. And it gets like competitive and nasty and people fight over shit and fight over presents. And, and then there's people who don't get to get presents and there's people who can't afford to have a good Christmas and all these things. And I think Batman returns actually shows maybe this isn't the most loving fun time, you know, maybe people are actually kind of are unhinged and kind of, uh, I don't know what to do. And I think returns captures that a little bit. Not totally on purpose, you know, it's at, at, at its heart, it's a superhero movie. It's a Batman movie. But I think it does capture something interesting about Christmas time that most movies don't like to touch. And I, 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 I quite enjoy that. Uh, that's, you know, like I said, take it or leave it. <laughs> but, but I do think Christmas has amazing things to offer and at the same time, eschews some people's minds to the wrong place. Um, and that's, that's something that I, I, I think about, you know, as I have, I have my own daughter now and I think a lot about like how I'm going to try to like teach her what this holiday means. Cause there's so yeah. many different interpretations and I want her to know that it, it truly is about who you're around. That really is what totally matters. And, uh, you know, hanging out with family, that family and friends and just being in the presence of people you love more than all the other shit, you know? Yeah, I agree. I've thought about that a lot about how, you know, the older you get, the less magic there is in the world. And I was talking to my mom about that, about how, you know, when I was a kid, you know, the, the, the race to Christmas took, felt like it took months mm-hmm. and how, you know, you were like, you couldn't sleep on Christmas Eve night. And yeah. now the older I get, like, it's, I want to sleep. it's here within, you know, three days. 
and then it's gone. And I asked my mom, like, you know, what is it like? What do you think of that? And she said, well, wait till you have kids. That's how the magic comes back. Oh, and, most certainly. Last last year was Willow's first Christmas. And when she was opening, I mean, I just like started bawling because she, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a lot, but she lost it and started ripping things open. I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. <laughs> you know, that's really cool to see my my kid just amped about something for sure. hundred percent. I definitely want her to hold on to that. Like it's us where you're in a safe place and you can be you, you know, be Willow. And I, I, yeah, your mom has a point for sure. Things that's kind of a lot of things, right? As you get older, you're like, Oh damn. And then you have kids and it kind of revamps the magic. You get to relive that magic by watching them experience it for the first time. And that's gotta be an incredible feeling, but damn with last week's Krampus and this week we are really Fucking Christmas. I got to say, like, we really do not sound like we are fans of this holiday. <laughs> well, we, we, we are for we're in different, a different uh, light than, you know, most most people. I think True. I think we take it a little more like to heart. Yeah. Than we do materialistically or, you know, this or that. We're just kind of like this. It's more fun to, like, watch movies and hang out and just, you know, hang out with family and just kind of talk and share stories. That's more fun than all the other shit. True. True, and especially this year when it's not like we have a lot of options, you know? We yes. Can't, we can't exactly go caroling. We can't exactly, you know, go, well, that's kind of all I've got for outdoor Christmas activities, caroling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because here in Texas, you know, we don't we don't get a tremendous amount of snow, so yeah. we can't go do that shit outside. No, yeah. no snowmen, no skiing, not, not down here. It was like <laughs> fucking 70 degrees the other day. I'm covered in mosquito bites. Yeah. In yeah, December. Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> I was outside yesterday. Just hanging out outside. Yeah. <laughs> For all, any of you listeners who are not from Texas, I'm sorry. But yeah, we, I, here, global warming is, is, is real here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Holy shit. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I tend to gravitate towards the kind of unconventional, non-traditional Christmas movies as well. Yeah. Like, I don't dig all that, you know, Hallmark, you know, the Christmas in, yeah. in Sweden, you know, green sweater, red sweater. Oh, will we find love? Of course you will. It's Christmas and I'm a ghost. Like, fuck all that. Yeah. 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 I, I like, yeah. I like Batman returns. I like Die Hard. I like Scrooge. I like Jim Carrey's Grinch home alone, home alone. I like in a nightmare before Christmas, just the weird Christmas shit. The polar express, for example, is one of my favorites. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We nearly did that movie for next week's episode, but we didn't. We picked something else and we'll get to that at the end. Yes. (laughs) So, let's talk a little bit about the development of Batman Returns. Oh, yeah. This was an interesting kind of back and forth with the studio. So, after 1989's Batman was a huge success, Warner Brothers wanted a sequel to start it filming ASAP. That's how studios work. If something's a hit, they got to make another one as soon as possible. Yeah. Tim Burton was not that keen to do a sequel. He doesn't like revisiting stuff. He's a weird guy. But he agreed to return after Warner Brothers agreed to grant him complete creative control, (laughs) which explains quite a lot. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> In fact, this is the only sequel Burton's ever done to his own work. Yeah. Uh, Special. Yeah. In the original script, in place of Max Shrek, was corrupt district attorney Harvey Dent, who was going to be played by Billy D. Williams, who played him in Batman. Yes. The whole reason Billy D. took the role was because he knew eventually he's going to get to be Two-Face, which sucks for <laughs> Billy D. Uh, Catwoman's electric kiss at the end of the film would have been what turned Dent into Two-Face which would have been cool to lead into the third movie. There was also a draft where Shrek was actually Max Cobblepot, the golden child of the Cobblepot family, and Penguin was the deformed outsider who was ditched at birth 
now he comes back for revenge, which also would have been kind of a cool Hell yeah. thing to do. Hell yeah. Michael Keaton agreed to return after a substantial salary hike from $5 million to $10 million. <laughs> Guy was a stud at this time. Which he only agreed to do because he was working on a big real estate deal and he needed to, he needed $11 million. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Nobody was in this for the right reasons. Everybody needed the money. It worked. <laughs> Annette Benning was initially cast as Catwoman due to her performance in The Grifters, but she had to drop out after she became pregnant. Michelle Pfeiffer, who was a relative uh, nobody at the time, was cast, and boom. Worked out. They um, they had an interesting incident with um, the actress Sean Young from Blade Runner, who was a bit unhinged, demanded the role of Catwoman, showed up to the studio in full Catwoman costume, demanded to see Tim Burton. And that's not how you win a role in Hollywood, folks. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I didn't know that. My yeah, God. it's kind of an infamous story. <laughs> God. Danny DeVito was the only choice to play Penguin, because if you want a short, angry, freaky-looking villain, you go to Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's quite frankly the only guy of his caliber that can play someone that height. Well, I looked a bit at I looked a little bit at the short list for people they were considering. John Candy was on there. This was before he died. No, I, I, I yeah. love John, but that would not have worked. Christopher Lloyd was there. Mm. Yeah, see, I don't know. I don't see that. I love love both those guys, but I don't see it. I think Martin Short. Mm. Nah, just not. Nah. They wanted Vito. They wanted comedians. Yeah, and I, I, I see. I see. Yeah. <laughs> this is cool. Original '60s Penguin Burgess Meredith was going to play Oswald's father at the beginning. Ah, but his uh, health was failing. wasn't insurable. They couldn't do it. Ended up being Paul Rubens, who would later play. Penguin's father again in the Gotham series on Fox. Yeah. So, pretty cool. Tim Burton is a director whose work speaks for itself. Apart from his two Batman movies, he's also the creative genius behind such films as Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Corpse Bride, Big Fish, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Mars Attacks, Ed Wood, Sweeney Todd, and Sleepy Hollow. It's a hell of a resume. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's also the guy behind Dark Shadows, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Alice in Wonderland, and the 2001 Planet of the Apes remake. He's certainly more hit than miss, but his misses are big. <laughs> yeah, they're bad misses, yeah. Yeah. Burton has been nominated for two Oscars in his career, both for Best Animated Film for Corpse Bride and Frankenweenie. And as I said before, huge fan of most of his work. Mm -hmm. Mars Attacks especially, very dear to my heart. Probably my all-time favorite of his. Nice. And, uh... <laughs> Can't wait to do that on the show. Oh, my God, yeah. I haven't seen that in a while, either. That would be great. That's a bitchin' movie. So underrated. Yeah, Jack Nicholson's one of his more underrated roles, too. As the president and a secondary role as a crazy game, like casino yeah. mogul. Perfect. There's a great scene in that movie where the president is on TV giving his speech about, we have discovered proof of aliens. They are surrounding our planet. And everyone in like in Vegas is very... Like fixed on that, except for Danny DeVito, uh. who's rolling craps, and he's like, "Come on, I need a new uh. pair of shoes." And he rolls it, and he's like, "Yeah." And he looks around, and he's like, "Hey, am I the only one around here shooting craps?" Yeah, what what's up fuck? with you people? Like he's looking around, like, "Hey," it's so funny, hilarious. <laughs> but he brings like a lot of his cast from the Batman movies into that, like Annette Benning is yes. in that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Mars Attacks, such a masterpiece. Oh, um. Oscar nominee Michael Keaton returns as Batman. 
Keaton was nominated for his performance in 2014's Birdman, and he's one of my all-time favorite character actors. Some of his notable films include Beetlejuice, Spider-Man Homecoming, Night Shift, Mr. Mom, Spotlight, Johnny Dangerously, Pacific Heights, The Other Guys, Jackie Brown, and most recently, The Trial of the Chicago 7. He had a massive career comeback with Birdman, and he's set to reprise the role of Batman in 2022's The Flash, alongside Ben Affleck's Batman in a multiverse story. And I am so fucking happy I get to say that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> the The multiverse is about to become a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, you know, they saw that Spider-Man from 2018 changed, quite frankly, changed the game as an animated movie. Yeah. And now people want to do the same thing. Well, and DC especially has always had big success with their comic books when it comes to multiverse. Yes. Uh, kind of Elseworld stories, as they call them. Yeah, really, they should have they should have beaten them to the punch, but they yeah. fucked around all decade. Well, CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths is really what pushed this. And they, you know, they had Ezra Miller cameo on that as The Flash, mm-hmm. and that opened up so many doors. And now it looks like DC is finally embracing these doors. They're finally embracing... You're going to open some. Yeah, yeah. This whole idea of, you know, anything goes. Yeah. And I'm so glad it took them way too long to figure this out, but they did. <laughs> God, no kidding. Thank God. Oscar nominee Danny DeVito plays the vile, sadistic penguin. DeVito was nominated for Best Picture alongside producers Michael Schamberg and Stacey Scher for Aaron Brockovich. He's been a comedy staple of Hollywood for decades, beginning with his iconic role of Louis De Palma on the sitcom Taxi, which ran from 1978 to 1983. I saw a couple episodes of Taxi. Admittedly, I couldn't get into it, but I understand its significance. (laughs) Yeah, I, I haven't dug into that one like, a at all. Big jumping off point. It was a jumping off uh, thing for Danny DeVito, Christopher Lloyd, Andy Kaufman, Judd Hirsch. It was big. Big deal, yeah. Uh, some of DeVito's most notable films include One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Romancing the Stone, Terms of Endearment, Throw Mama from the Train, Twins, Hoffa, Get Shorty, Matilda, and of course his ongoing role as apathetic, possibly insane, wealthy businessman Frank Reynolds on FX's It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which was just renewed for four additional seasons, making it the longest-running comedy show in TV history. Bang, bang, bang. It's also the best, so (laughs) it makes sense. You know, uh, Frank once said that we're all living in a turtle's dream, you know, and I'll leave it at that. It's one of the best shows of all time. (laughs) I've mentioned this a few times on the show because it's just my favorite line because it's such a, a dark thing to say. It's when... Uh, Dennis and Dee find a baby in the alley and Dumpst- Frank yeah the gang finds the yeah. dumpster baby and Frank yeah. just goes well put it back it doesn't belong to you <laughs> good god <laughs> that and when he like opens up his shirt and it's like somebody's getting stabbed like, I, just- I, I like that I also like uh, fuck it I like when he comes out of the couch and he's naked I like when uh, he is mantis toboggan <laughs> oh the art collector Derivative, derivative. Ongo Gablogian, yeah. yeah. So good. And he has multiple like, alter egos that he's, yeah, that are all amazing. Yet, that <laughs> one might be my favorite, Onglo because of the wig. <laughs> what is he doing? What is Danny DeVito doing? Oh, this. I must have this. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. One of my favorite, like, one-off lines is, like, when he drops the condom, and he's just like, oh, I dropped my monster condom that I use on my Magnum dong. Just showing it to the girl. <laughs> we got to get the kids to bop with us. <laughs> the, what is the pecan sandies? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it's man. endless. 
four, uh, what, 14 seasons now of crazy shit. Four more coming. <laughs> yeah, and he wasn't in season one. You know, he's not, and that's, that's like the whole thing. They needed that touch. They needed a lot of season one to death, but there's a, there's something missing and it is the presence of a, like a true co- comedic legend. And Danny DeVito brings that in season two all the way till now. The, uh, when they go to the water park and he's, AIDS, I have AIDS, to move to the front of the line. Jesus. <laughs> and he goes down the slide that has no water yeah. and just fucks himself up and yeah, everyone's like, blood, AIDS, yeah. blood in the water. Goddamn. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a great, great show. Oh my God. One of my favorite lines is when he says, he says to Mac, after Charlie and Mac steal all of his money, and he's like, Charlie, that shows initiative. I'm making you manager. And then Max's like, what about me, Frank? I stole a shit ton of your money. He's like, you get dick because you're a follower and a thief. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful show. Well, uh, we got a party like rock stars. And they just go to the hotel and just start fucking everything up. <laughs> oh, man. It's, oh, my God. I could go on forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every episode has something for me. Uh, probably my favorite episode of the whole thing. God damn it. Of the whole thing is in season seven, um, the gang gets trapped, and it's it's uh, D- uh, Frank is trying to get that Voss. I gotta get that Voss, the artifact, and he he whips the shit out of it. It breaks. Just uh, God, that's a great episode. I love when they think Mac is a serial killer. Yeah, <laughs> and they track like D down to like the, her neighbor or something, and her neighbor has like heads in his fridge, <laughs> and they confront the guy, and the episode ends with Frank pulling the chainsaw on. <laughs> yeah it's the best holy shit mm, that was fun <laughs> moving on oh man michelle pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer oscar nominee michelle pfeiffer plays the anti-heroic role of catwoman pfeiffer was nominated for her performances in 1988's dangerous liaisons 1989's the fabulous baker boys and 1992's love field some of pfeiffer's notable films include scarface lady hawk the Witches of Eastwick, What Lies Beneath, Stardust, Murder on the Orient Express, and she recently joined the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp. Yes. She's been in uh, three movies so far, is going to be in Ant-Man 3 as well. Nice. And yeah, she's great as Catwoman. Probably the best live-action Catwoman we've had yet. Yeah, I, I, I think kind of by a mile. And she um, really kind of blew me away. Uh, when I got into her career was in 2017, with uh, Mother. she's. Have, have you seen that yet? The Aronofsky? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so her and Ed Harris mm-hmm. uh, are, are married in that movie, and it, oof, good Lord. They're, they're doing some acting, those two, and she, you know, like, I was like, good, she's amazing, and she looks spectacular, you know, and I was like, well, maybe I've missed some stuff, and, and certainly she has a career that I, I want to continue going down and could, could get a shout-out on Oscar Sunday one day. I, I really, really enjoy her. Yeah, she's great. I'm glad she joined the MCU. I think she does a great job as oh, Janet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I I have not seen a lot of her work, admittedly, uh, but I did like her in Scarface as oh Tony Montana's girlfriend. Incredible in Scarface, <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Um, yeah, she's a great Catwoman, although I bet Zoe Kravitz is going to have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Zoe is going to... It's going to be a, a, a probably a better overall. I think Michelle Pfeiffer. It was so such an unhinged uh, performance, and I think Zoe captures exactly what Batman fans want right now in Catwoman. Well, I'm betting Zoe Kravitz is going to be more 
on the side of Anne Hathaway's Catwoman as more of like you know a cat burglar. Yes, but I bet there's going to be a little bit of unhinged, you know, unhinged there for sure. I would it's, hope so. Yeah, you, some balance you would think. Yeah. Anne, Anne Hathaway. There's too too many one liners. Too many like, you know, I thought Michelle Pfeiffer maybe took it too far. To, you know, like yeah, something in between maybe. Well, see, the thing is, Anne Hathaway is Catwoman. Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman. <laughs> Yes, yes. You it's get di- that, audience? It's di- it's it's different, yeah. It's, well, Michelle took it quite literally, yeah. Oscar winner Christopher Walken brings his patented deadpan delivery to the role of corrupt businessman Max Shrek. Walken won his Oscar for his performance in 1978's The Deer Hunter. He was also nominated for 2002's Catch Me If You Can. Both great performances. There's so much I know. from this guy's, this guy's resume that is just wild from like you mentioned deer hunter to like what he's doing wedding crashers. This guy's fucking nuts. He's done a ton of impressive films over his career. And if I had to spotlight his greatest hits, so to speak, yeah, they'd be the dead zone A View to a kill king of New York, Pulp Fiction, sleepy hollow, Joe dirt, seven psychopaths and Jersey boys. You're missing, you're missing one. I'm in a vendetta kind of mood. Fuck, I did. I forgot your romance. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, well, because that's, I, I see, you know, I see a lot of Shrek. Mm. I see them too. It's 92, 93. God damn. And that's you, That that's your line. I know. That's your what line. happened? God damn it. That's your, yeah, that, mm. that walking performance in true romance is scary. It is. It's so brief, but it dominates almost the whole goddamn movie. Yeah. Well, it's him and, uh, him and Hopper, right? Or it's probably the best bit of the whole film, the dialogue between them when they're just <laughs> digging at each other. Yeah. And, this kind of weird intellectual way where like they're digging deep for like racism. It's fucking nuts. I, <laughs> uh, that those two were on a different, different level in that scene. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, that's, I'm, I, what, uh, mm. what else you got here? I, I mean, I always look at, at King of New York. He's woof, but Pulp Fiction, that bit <laughs> is probably the weirdest part of the movie yeah. where you're like, wait, what? <laughs> but it sets up such an important yeah. arc. It, it might be the most important information you learn the entire film yeah why is bruce willis so crazy about this why is he going through these things just to get the oh oh you know chris rockin tells him why in such a strange fashion hello you know, he, little man I just, up my <laughs> up my ass <laughs> be damned if any Viet Cong is gonna get his hands yeah. on his boy's birthright <laughs> it's such a weird story for crazy. a little kid isn't it nuts he does so he does returns <laughs> True romance and Pulp Fiction, and that's a three-year run. Jesus Christ. What more can you ask for from a character actor, you know? <laughs> one of the best, like one of the ultimate character actors. I, um, I just watched maybe three, four months ago, for the first time, in the Anderson tapes. My favorite Sean Connery role, and Christopher Walken, that was his first movie. You, you've wow. got to see it, because his yep. hair, I mean, he looks so young, and it's, it is bizarre. Because seeing Walken before everything happened, before he became, you know, this consistent character actor, it, it's cool. Well, he does wonders with the dead zone. I think that's like, oh, yes, he doesn't have a lot of leading, uh, leading man roles. And that as Johnny Smith, the unfortunate psychic, such a great adaptation of that character. Who's such a broken fractured character. And he yeah. plays it so well in this like crazy story. Great book, great movie. Cronenberg. Like it's just, yeah, you couldn't ask for more with dead zone. Yeah. But, and then view to a kill is a goofy movie, but Jesus Christ is walking committed to playing a brutal, Bond villain. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Com- committed is probably the best way to describe him, right? Yeah. What? No matter what it is. You know, uh, in Wedding Crashers, he truly is great in that movie. 
He's the best part of it. He's the most consistent guy in each thing he's in. It's, uh, have you seen Envy with Jack Black and Ben Stiller? <laughs> J-Man! J-Man! Fucking J-Man, you know? I'm just trying to think because there's there's so many. There's so many roles he's he's kind of tackled. and Fucking Kangaroo Jack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you go on his IMDb, you can kind of get lost because there's so many credits. It is One of my favorites, because it's so stupid, is Balls of Fury, where he plays Perfect. Fang, basically like the, you know, it's Mortal Kombat with ping pong. Yeah. And he's the warlord who's... <laughs> running this whole show and it's so stupid but he he sells it yeah well yeah yeah i i, I just was watching last night with uh, my oldest brother adam we were watching um his wife and, and and my girlfriend we were all watching some saturday night live skits <laughs> and the uh i'm bruce dickinson the bruce dickinson <laughs> you, that's one of my favorite sketches of all time you have like you have jimmy fallon and will ferrell and horatio sands and chris Catan. And, and Christopher Walken coming in and out. I need more cowbell. And Chris Parnell, sorry, he's the one who's singing. <laughs> it's just a really cool moment. And, and, and he's, you know, I got a fever. <laughs> and the only prescription is more cow. It's one of the best lines ever written for Saturday Night Live. One of the best. <laughs> it really is. He's one of the few hosts to have their own best of DVD. Yeah. Because he did it so well and yeah, did he it so never, often. Yeah, he's never actually a cast member. He's just that good at hosting and. <laughs> And, and had that many, yeah, bangers. Oh, so good. <laughs> the Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> I love it. God damn. Yeah, he, you know, that, that's, that's part of the reason this movie, Batman Returns, is so goddamn special. It's these collection of people we can talk about forever. Yeah. Uh, Danny, especially DeVito and Walken, I can talk, and Keaton, I can talk about these guys for hours. Yeah. It's just, there's so much fun. She tries to blackmail me, I'll drop her out a higher window. Just beautiful lines. One of my favorite walking lines of all time is in Seven Psychopaths when... Oh, great flick. Underrated as hell. Yeah, that's a great flick. When, oh, jeez. That'd be a cool film, guys. Absolutely. It's in the book. And um, it's when they find out Woody Harrelson's dog, like, is, you know, Woody Harrelson's hunting his dog down. And somebody, I think Colin Farrell suggests, we got to go to the cops. And out of nowhere, Walken goes, fuck the cops. Fuck them. Like, angrily and loudly out of nowhere. And they're just like, Whoa relax <laughs> he's like no cops <laughs> it's, it's beautiful oh, <laughs> yeah that's a, that's an underrated one i mean he's he's just every year there's something he's in mm. forgot he would, oh in click he's hilarious in click Morty. god uh yeah all these random these uh the kind of you know short appearances and comedies and stuff is i love that he can do that that he can he can take something so serious and, and hone in on it and kind of be scary and then be silly as hell. <laughs> I love that. We, we love character actors, and he's, he's, he's one of the best. Tell me something. Does your mother sew? Boom! <laughs> Get her to sew that! Joe Dirt. <laughs> I love Joe Dirt. Joe Dierte. Don't try and church it up, son. Goddamn. Oh, Clem. Yeah. <laughs> We're almost like we're almost an hour in. We haven't. Even, we've barely talked about Batman. Yeah, well, we're f- <laughs> I'm figuring out why. It's because these people yeah, are so great. It's fucking great. Oh, we're about. Ah, God damn it. <laughs> uh, Michael Goff returns as Alfred, Batman's faithful butler. <sighs> Goff played Alfred in all four original Batman films. One of the only one of two actors to be in all four of those movies. He's also appeared in such films as Out of Africa, The Serpent and the Rainbow, The Age of Innocence. Sleepy Hollow, and Corpse Bride. <clears throat> Excuse me. He passed away in 2011 at 94 years old from an unfortunate combination of pneumonia 
and prostate cancer. That's a bad way to go. Yeah, and just uh, a dude who I've never heard anything bad about. No, just an understated British actor who who like brought brought his yeah. brought brought his exact style to to everything. And you know, certain Surfing the Rainbow, we got to got to cover. And I quite enjoyed that film. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really cool. A guy that I'm excited to see pop up. Like I said, I just keep watching shit. Yeah, he was, he came out of retirement for Burton mm-hmm. in, uh, 99 for Sleepy Hollow. So cool. And then did Corpse Bride and a voice in Alice in Wonderland before he died. Admirable. Amazing. Working until he was 94. 94. Pat Hingle returns as Commissioner Gordon, who he, who he portrayed in all four original Batman films as well. Some of Hingle's other films include Norma Ray, which we just recently watched and fucking loved. He is incredible in, yeah. <laughs> Hang em High, Sudden Impact, Brewster's Millions, Maximum Overdrive, Muppets from Space, and Talladega Nights. Hingle passed away in 2009 at 84 years old due to complications from splasia, which was uh, equivalent of like bone marrow cancer. But Pat Hingle, I, he was always just Commissioner Gordon to me, but the more I've explored film with, these, with this podcast, the more I keep seeing him, and I... I'm really liking him as an actor a lot more than I ever thought. He's fucking phenomenal in Norma Ray. He's such a shit in Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm loving this guy. Yeah, me too. I, I, Pat Hingle is the man, and I think he plays a great Gordon, <laughs> a much different Gordon than what we grew up, you know, watching in the, the Nolan ones, right? Um, then, uh, of course, Gary Oldman is, is fantastic. But I, but I, Pat Hingle, you brought up how, you know, he, he does things that you're like, oh, I always seen him as Gordon, and like the Grifters is night is just before Batman returns. And he's in that with Annette Benning, which is interesting. And mm-hmm. there's a scene uh, w- with him and Angelica Houston. And he really turns it up to a pretty frightening notch that I had no idea he had Pat Hingle. Wow. And uh, I can't wait for you to see that movie mainly because of that scene that you're just kind of like, Holy shit, Gordon, calm down. <laughs> Cause it's right in between, you know, it's in 1990 that that comes out. So it's right in between, Batman and Batman Returns, and to see Gordon play this evil character, um, I, I yeah, I, I love when that happens. You know, I love when you have something in your mind and they completely, completely change it for you. <laughs> yeah, with their work, that's really cool. But you had mentioned that, like, you know, we grew up with Gary Oldman Gordon, but I grew up with Pat Hingle Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see these until no. later on. I definitely saw Begins was the first live action Batman movie I saw. I saw it in theaters when I was ten. That was the first one I saw. Yeah. I was when Batman Begins came out. I was very well versed in Batman. You're like, I fucking yeah. already know. But, you know, Michael Goff was my Alfred. Pat Hingle was my Gordon. Keaton was my Batman. Michael Caine, though, boy, yeah, he takes it to a different. I, I, I think <laughs> I think a lot of people, a lot of guys have an argument, but Michael Caine really takes that character to a whole different level. Well, that's kind of my one of my big issues with the original Batman films is Alfred and Gordon are really, really side characters. They do not get much. For sure. And the, the Nolan trilogy really shines a light on both those guys. Oh, and, and Lucius. I, I mean, yeah, and Lucius. Lucius. Morgan Freeman is amazing in those. Yeah. yeah. The little guys get, you know, they're real characters in yeah. that movie. Yeah, no, Nolan does, you know, for as, as uh, you know, I can kind of critique the guy's career, uh, uh, those those characters are, for the most part, fleshed out enough for you to really understand the stakes, right? Um, and Joker, of course, doesn't need to be fleshed out because you don't want it to be. Yeah. And and I think that was a great decision. I think he did a good job with most of those. And Scarecrow, well, such he did such a good job with with Scarecrow. I'll always give him that. Um, and I, I definitely those Oldman was the first uh, Gordon that I really connected with, and. 
part of that was, you know, my age and seeing it in theaters. And, and that Oldman was, like you said, a real character in the movie. Like Gordon was really in Batman Begins, really in The Dark Knight. Has huge lines, huge quotes, yeah. huge moments uh, where he, you know, almost loses his life and, you know, crazy stuff. Well, Pat Hingle's Gordon is really just kind of there to put on, like, turn on the bat signal. There's not much he yeah. does in these films. Hold your fire. Yeah. yeah. But in the Nolan trilogy, you believe that Gordon is the only good cop in a very corrupt precinct, that his life is in danger every day because he wants to do the right thing. And it's tough being in that situation, and he, he really plays it off well. And, and that's why and he looks like Ned Flanders doing it. Yeah. Incredible. And he's so grateful to have Batman's help. You believe the relationship between them, that they need each other. Yes. It's goddamn. <laughs> Oldman, we obviously, we've, we, we got to talk about him not too long ago, you know, dedicated an episode kind of to him with Fifth Element and talking about his career and got to talk about Mank on Oscar Sunday and Citizen Kane and talk a little bit more about Oldman. He, he just does such a good job of making the character his. And old, Oldman Gordon is like, he disappears <laughs> into that with the hair. He could just become anybody's dad at that point, you know? Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that that Gordon. Uh, I do wish Pat Hingle got a little more, a little more shine because I do think he's a great actor. He is a great actor. I agree. Uh, Batman Returns has an IMDb score of 7.0, Rotten Tomatoes score of 80%. Solid. It's a huge hit, grossing $282 million on a budget of $80 million. It was nominated for two Oscars, Best Visual Effects and Best Makeup. Yes. How it lost Best Makeup is amazing. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> b- both of those are the ones I would nominate it for. There's not much else I would give it. Production uh, design. Yeah, and maybe score, score. Yeah, Danny Elfman's score, and maybe, maybe Christopher Walken for best supporting actor. See, I would go Devito for supporting. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. I, I, yeah, I like it because Walken at the end of the day is playing himself. So you're right. <laughs> Despite it being a hit, Warner Brothers felt it was far too dark for children. Uh, had trouble selling toys. Fuck off. And they, <laughs> fuck off. And they had Burton replaced with Joel Schumacher for the next film, Batman Forever. With Burton gone, Michael Keaton no longer trusted the production. Yeah. He took off. He was replaced with Val Kilmer, and the rest is history. Yikes. Val Kilmer and George Clooney. Keaton turned down, like, a $20 million payday for for Batman 3. Good for him. Warner Brothers wanted him, but he didn't want to do it without Burton. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Good for him. The vision is obviously gone, and they had no idea what to do, and, you know, you you get those two movies that are just not nearly as good as what Burton did. However, somewhere along the line, no... Michael Keaton was Tim Burton's first golden boy. Somewhere along the line, Burton dropped Keaton for Johnny Depp. So I'm wondering if there was a falling out or what happened there. Because it was Michael Keaton, you know, Beetlejuice, Batman, and then as soon as Edward Scissorhands came out, it was only Depp. What what year is Scissorhands? 90. Okay. And then obviously you have Sleepy Hollow, and then his stuff within the past couple decades is all Depp. Ed Wood. Damn. You're right. You're right. He does kind of just pass the torch on over. Is it like, oh, you've gotten too old? Maybe. Because because Keaton is, you know, he's born he's born 1951. So Keaton is already 40 when he does Batman Returns. Maybe he's like, I I, I need a guy who's who's younger to carry this these weird. And Depp has this look that just matches what Burton's doing. <laughs> True. You know, and obviously Helena Bonham Carter that relationship. True, but when Helena you... and Johnny work so well together. Well, well, and also when you look at like the way you know Tim Burton left Lisa Marie for Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. He doesn't seem to have a problem dropping just, close people yeah. for new the new model. That's that, that's a good point. Yeah. But clearly Michael Keaton and Burton worked things out because he was in Dumbo last year. So I don't know. I think there's a story there. I think we just have to find it. 
Yeah, maybe maybe you know, there's something about it. Maybe we could do another episode and really, really talk about that. Maybe. But first, let's talk about Batman Returns. Hell yes. So, I have a number of just talking points. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just fire away. You know, this is a, uh, you know, this is just a fun movie to talk about. So we open on a very, very somber note. <laughs> you know, the Cobblepot Manor, <laughs> and it's a deformed child that they have and they keep it in a box. <laughs> like it's fucked up. I mean, a lot of, I think penguins, you know, feralness and you know, his ferocity and his lack of a soul almost comes from the way his parents locked him in a box and, you know, threw him in a fucking river. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and his, his uh, intent on taking the first son, you know, well, totally makes sense. Yeah. His intentions totally make sense from the very beginning of the movie. And I think it's a great, great introduction to what we're about to see for the next two hours of just, Hey, this is going to be darker. It's gonna be a little bit darker than 1989. And then you have a, you, I, I like that they use that and you know, get 33 years later and here we are, you know, this clearly during those years, uh, this, this guy Oswald was fucked with. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Like, and I love the way the score turns from like, Somber penguins, you know, baby penguins, early life into the Burton. I mean, the uh, the Elfman score, mm. and the name of the score is "Birth of a Penguin." Oh, <laughs> so good, and it's I think the best version of Elfman's score. And uh, oh God, his Batman score is so underappreciated. It's I think. it's a big part of it for sure. It's the Batman theme. Yeah, like it's used in the cartoon. It's used in the fucking Lego game. Like this is the score. This is the one that people attach to Batman. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. So cool. So Penguin is, you know, discovered by penguins. And do you think he was raised by penguins or he was res- raised by the Red Triangle Gang? The Red Triangle Gang, but both. Uh, yeah, you know, we clearly see, like, that zoo is just, like, fucked, you know, completely yeah. completely down, right? And Go- Gotham's obviously going through, like, economic crisis, like they always are. <laughs> Yeah, it's always a shit show in Gotham, right? And it's it just seems like even more of a shit show. Uh, they're they're having like an election, so it just people are fucking. The weird know. thing is they aren't having an election. They just is it, it, it's not election year. It, you know, obviously, it's Christmas time. Yeah, what is it? Just because the way I see it, it took me a while to kind of understand this. Uh-huh. I think so. Max and the mayor are at odds. Yes. Max wants a new mayor so he can sign off on his power plant deal and Max can control the power supply. Because the current mayor is like, I don't know about this. He's clearly corrupt, but he's not that corrupt. Yes. (laughs) So I think Max said he's got enough signatures at Max, I got Shrek's enterprises for a recall. So I think he's going to have, they're going to have a recall election, you know, kind of like a vote of no confidence. It's not actually election time. It's, it's, yeah, it's this guy. Well, it's Gotham fucking around because Gotham, but does that what really like, I never understood is Max Shrek is already a respected businessman. Clearly the people of the city love him. Yes. Why doesn't he just do it? Why doesn't he just run for me? Why does he need a figurehead? I, I don't, I don't quite know why he doesn't like, does he honestly think that his best chance of pulling this off is electing a rabid yeah. half human, half bird fucking crazy person? <laughs> like, what is the, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Shrek's 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 uh, strategy is, is very poor. Uh, well, well, he also pushes someone out out of a window and she survives. He never checks on that, does he? No, <laughs> no. And he he does he does he actually says when he sees Max Shrek actually says in the film when he sees that she's alive and is like Selena, he's like ah, I got bigger fish to fry. What? 
You have bigger fish to fry than a, a lady who came back from you pushing her down, whatever, 50 stories? I'm not sure what bigger fish you have to fry, to fry other than making up for this horrible mistake you made where she's definitely not going to forget that. This is Gotham City. Crazy shit happens every day. That, that's that's really the answer to everything is that crazy shit happens and Max Shrek is, is not really a smart villain. He's just power hungry. I want to be the level of rich where I can push somebody out a window yeah, and then just nothing when they come back, not even bother. Yeah, with no, it. I, no, I actually have to convince this guy who's half human, half penguin to run for mayor so that I can take control of. Yeah, <laughs> fucking wacko. Like I said, if she tries to blackmail me, I'll drop her out a higher window. That's his that's his game plan here. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I mean, if she even says anything, yeah, I'll just I'll just kill her again, you know. Or yeah. Well, I love that his immediate go-to when he kills people is they're on vacation. Like his old partner, and then when Selena comes back, he's like, Did you injure yourself All on night. the slopes? Yeah. Right? Like his eyes are like, right? She's like, it's a little foggy. Yeah. I love that. I, hey, well, it's 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 walking, being walking. Yeah. I love in that scene when Bruce Wayne slips up and he's like, yeah, we've met. And she's like, well, have we? He's like, nope, sorry, I mistook me for someone else. He says that. I love that. Yeah. He, I mistook me. Yeah. God, so yeah. good. I love that. Bruce Wayne, I think Michael Keaton, more than anybody who's played Batman in live action so far, really does a great job at the duality. Okay. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. We never really get much of the middle ground between Bruce Wayne and Batman. I feel like Christian Bale toyed with it, but he really is like, you believe that they're the same guy. Whereas Bruce Wayne and Batman in the Burton films are two very separate characters. And that's kind of the point, you know, Bruce Wayne's a mask. Batman is who he really is. And I see, you really see that with Michael Keaton. Uh, for sure. That's, that's a huge part of like the underlying, you know, message of, this really, really dark Gotham, which dark yeah. Gotham's usually dark, but it, it, and Batman himself seems kind of depressed after the Vicky Vale stuff, and it's a fascinating kind of character study on on like you said, this guy who, and they say you know take why don't we take our masks off you know yeah when they're not wearing their suits it, it's really it's really cool those little things are rewarding in a in a comic book superhero movie when you're paying attention and of course as you get older returns just kind of rewards you over and over with that stuff. Yeah. The way they're at the costume party, they're the only people not wearing costumes yeah. because this is the costume. Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle don't exist. Batman and Catwoman are who these people really are. Yeah. The mask is the identity. Brilliant. Yeah. Incredible. Mike, Mike Keaton a hundred percent is the, has been the best at playing Bruce Wayne. Those scenes when he's at parties and this and that, I, I just think he's much better than anybody else. Uh, I love Christian Bale, but he, he doesn't make sense to me as Bruce Wayne. He never really has. I, I find Bale to be like way too imposing. And um, I like the live action Bruce Wayne to be a little bit more human. I, I, and, the, and the cartoons, I don't really give a shit. They can be the giant broad shoulders, you know, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> but I, but I, I kind of like when a, the Bruce Wayne has kind of a balance of this yeah. guy. This guy looks like a dude and mm -hmm. Michael Keaton looks like a dude. Yeah, he does. He's a rich guy. Christian Bale is like. Holy hell, that's a imposing dude. <laughs> well, and I feel like Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne's trying too hard to be a dick. Yeah, yeah, I think Christian Bale, uh, he's a you know, like, wonderful performer. Everything he does is to put people off of like, there's no way this guy would do anything heroic. Yes. Which I get why he's doing that, but it's a little goofy at times. And, and, and through three films, it can get redundant. You're right, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we never got to see like almost any of Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, so... Yeah, I'm not even going to list that. No, no. Affleck is what people think to look like 
Right, Bruce Wayne. He could have been the best <laughs> one. With yeah. the right script, Ben Affleck could have been the best Batman. Well, yeah, you look at like you look at some of the shots that, that you know, he's in control of in the town, or some of the shots in Gongrel of Fincher of just his his frame, his yeah. the like the thickness of his of his legs and his shoulders. He's perfect for for Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Like, but yeah, I like to give the pooch. I like to give credit where credit's due. Like this, there's some scenes in Batman versus Superman that gave me chills. Like when <laughs> when. Uh, Batman is stopped by Superman in the Batmobile and Superman just rips him out of the Pretty Batmobile dope. and Batman just stands up like not he's not afraid he just like stands up to him and asks him do you bleed and as he's flying away he goes you will ah. not gonna lie that was fucking dope <laughs> but yeah. we did not get delivery on that <laughs> no no right yeah yeah that's that, that happens sometimes with the, you can find moments in like superhero movies and I think it happens some with the earlier MCU, MCU movies there's good moments yeah. but overall the films didn't quite know how they wanted to handle the tone and they fucking figured it out the fi- like for example Iron Man 3 the final scene where all the suits show up to help Tony Stark <sighs> fucking awesome yeah but I hate that movie. That movie but that, that's it's pro, it's one of the weaker MCU movies, yeah. And I, I think Thor one and two have some moments that are that are that are pretty whoa. But for the most part, they're they're not they're kind of lackadaisical and didn't didn't know exactly what they wanted with the tone. Whereas Ragnarok is like about thirty of those moments happen simultaneously and make a movie because that's <laughs> what heroes do. And that's what Taika does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you can trace a lot of the superhero film success really back to Burton. And oh, for sure, right? his Batman movies. These were the first successful, like, superhero movies. Well, I guess, you know, uh, Richard Donner's Superman, really. Uh-huh. But these Batman movies were in a league of their own, I think. For sure. I will look at the actors, you know? Yeah. Jack Nicholson. Crazy to, to get a guy like that, this this decorated, looked at as the greatest actor in the world at the time, to play to play in this comic book movie, superhero movie. And not just appear, but to fucking commit and rock it. To, to, be, the, to, to be the second... <laughs> guy on the bill yeah. to be the next yeah the, the number one guy to batman <laughs> the, pretty cool you know and a lot of people will say oh the dark knight changed everything like yeah i i agree but you gotta you gotta i don't know you you give credit where it's due burton really is the one who started it there's a handful of superhero movies that really did flip the script and change the game mm-hmm. batman blade blade x-men Dark Knight. Blade will never get its credit. It won't. It will never get its credit. That's why we adore it so much. <laughs> and and we've done an episode on it because it's well, you know, Wesley Snipes' finest hour. Yeah. You know, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know what it means, but I love saying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. So, the creepy, weird clown gang that... Works for Penguin. Yeah, the Red I, Triangle. Yeah. Their introduction is fucking brilliant, I think. First, you've got Max and his terrible, like, you know, ad-libbed uh, speech after he forgets his speech. And he's like, I wish I could grant world peace. What a phony motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. So good, though. <laughs> I was dying laughing when I watched Wrapped that. Wrapped in a big bow. Are you kidding me? But then they, they show up in a big present and just attack the crowd. Yeah. And I, I love that. But then Batman shows up and he doesn't really do anything. He just knocks him down. He doesn't like arrest anybody or really stop. No, he's just kind of just kind of fighting him. I yeah. love that Gordon's like, "Thanks for saving the day, Batman." And I'm like, "When did he do that?" He, he totally, <laughs> he, he totally didn't. And I, I, I think that's uh, I think that's Burton saying that this this Batman is is not totally here. He's kind of sad. He's kind of a little on edge. You know, he's 
the way he's doing this is not like you're saying, it's like, that's not really what Batman normally Batman will tile these fuckers up, you know, but he's just kind of punching them, yeah. knocking them over, hitting them with whatever. And then it doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's totally in it. Well, you know, Christmas has always been a lonely time for Bruce Wayne. Yes. He's had he no is, family. He is lonely. Yeah. I, I get, I do get chills when the bat signal go, the bat signal goes on for the first time. And you just see Michael Keaton. who's like kind of resting his, his hand immediately. He's like jolts up. And like stands up like it's time to go to work. You're like fine. And the music swells, and I'm like, yeah. fuck, it's Batman. <laughs> I, get, I get so excited every time. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's genius. And yeah, I, I love I love that that reaction of like, oh, now I can finally do what I've been waiting to do all day. Yeah. I can be myself. Here we go. Christmas came early. Let's <laughs> do this. Uh I love uh Vincent Scavelli as the hurdy gurdy man with the Gatlin gun. <laughs> That's so bitching. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> I want to be in that crew, just fucking shit up, you know? Just going to Gotham and just fucking knocking shit over, riding around on unicycles. <laughs> I think it's weird that this gang who dresses in clown makeup and come out of the circus is not the Joker's gang. Yeah. I feel like it's you know they're made for each other. That'd make more sense, yeah. Whereas Penguin should have what he really does have later in the movie, which is a lot of penguins. A, a, a militia, <laughs> a, a, a small army of penguins. Yeah, yeah. rocket penguins. It's crazy. I, I, I love when they, <laughs> the intersection shot. When they're all walking in and turn around. I love that. Because penguins are so funny. Just thinking about them like, what are we doing? <laughs> turn it around. You know? <laughs> Retreat. I, I'm picturing two penguins in the army with rockets strapped to themselves talking like, hey, Frank, you ever think we're the bad guys? Yeah, yeah. Like smoking cigarettes. They seem, yeah. they seem all like, right to you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you're like, they're, like they're Nazi soldiers questioning like, yeah. man, we're kind of assholes, dude. Oh, yeah. Between you and me, I think Oswald's lost it. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, just say what he does. He might kill us. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, one thing I do want to bring up, and uh, this is something that the Nolan trilogy really uh, hammered down and the comics have always done, and that's Batman's strict no-killing policy. Yes. Which Burton 100% abandons. <laughs> yeah. There is some brutal murder committed by Batman in this movie. Yeah. There's that devil dude he lights on fire. There's the big guy that he put blows up with a pipe bomb. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. Michael Keaton doesn't fuck around. He does not. He does not. In fact, the one thing he doesn't seem to do very much in this movie is save people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's worried more about property damage in that. There's that one scene where he's like, well, I think he saved millions in property damage alone. Shut the fuck up, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that scene also made no sense to me. Like, Batman blows it. When? When was this? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Oh boy. I th- I think I, I do I do think, you know, it, there's movies that are like really dear to your heart that you have a hard time like reconciling like oh, oh yeah. This wasn't fleshed out. But Returns has that has a lot of that. It really should be like two movies. They I I, I think I think there are times when when Burton's speeding things up in, in the wrong areas and stretching things out in the wrong areas and it it happens, man. It's hard. It's fucking hard to fit all this cool shit inside a 2-hour frame when you have all these amazing characters and actors, I think with what he had, he did a spectacular job. True. Very true. But we've seen in, you know, Marvel and DC movies uh, since then that it's really tough juggling more than one villain and making everybody count. Yeah. And I think, you know, Burton doesn't get enough credit for what he did pull off. I agree with that. Yeah. Whereas in the next movie, you've got Riddler and Two-Face in kind of a disaster. Yeah. And you, you, you've talked about how there's no, there's no real plan there, right? They're just kind of unhinged like the Joker. 
Yeah, they're and all the Joker. You don't want that. You you want the Batman has all these great villains to offer. You want to see the different ones and see how how they all operate. But the Joker's just so popular, so iconic, yeah. and people are gonna have a hard time not emulating that sort of unhinged, wacky character. Yeah, but that's you know another reason why I'm so excited about the Batman yes. to see Paul Dano play a sociopath, you know, quiet Riddler and Colin Farrell. Yeah, as a gangster penguin. Yeah, it's gonna be sweet. <laughs> yeah, th- those th- that's the part I'm most excited about. I love Robert Pattinson, but to see Paul Dano, this guy who I've kind of batted for for like 15 years since Little Miss Sunshine, I just kind of stand up for him no matter what he does. I'm very excited for him to have this kind of reward as a performer. Yeah. Hey, man, you get to play this iconic villain that no one's really done correctly. <laughs> My favorite thing about the Batman is that Matt Reeves has gone character actor for every single role. Yes. He is thought outside the box for everybody. That's what Returns is. Yeah. It's all character actors. Even Keaton. Yeah. Even Keaton, at, at his heart, Keaton's a character actor. Yeah. And then, you know, in Forever, you've got movie stars like Tommy Lee Jones and Val Jim Kilmer, Carrey and yeah. Val Kilmer and Nicole Kidman, who I think is the worst in that movie. Alicia Silverstone, Uma Thurman. Yeah. yeah. Arnold. Yeah. Clooney. Cl- yeah. It doesn't work. You're right. You need people, you know, character actors disappear into the role and you need that for characters like this is this um this is probably how we feel about superhero stuff in general we want like for captain america chris evans is like not a at the time was not a superstar no and no you know but now of course and you look at the string perfect though you look at the string of villains in his movies you've got hugo weaving yes you've got uh sebastian stan who at the time was also not a big guy yeah toby jones daniel brule these are not big names, but they became big names because of these movies. Out of the MCU. And yeah. That's yeah, that's that's cool shit. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite decision. You know, if, if a filmmaker is, is making those decisions for a superhero film, I, yeah. I, I think I prefer like Nolan did. Oh my god. Well yeah, he, he I mean he the best thing he ever did was say fuck you to everybody and make sure Heath Ledger got that job. Yeah. Heath Ledger, Liam Neeson, Murphy, Killian yeah. Murphy, yeah. Tom Hardy. Uh, Aaron Eckhart, who I never would have thought would be a good Two-Face, my fucking favorite Two-Face. Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson, Eric Roberts. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, the, man? The, uh, the only casting issue I have with those is, is, of course, the Katie Holmes to Maggie Gyllenhaal. I, that, yeah, I hate how that happened. Hate that and shit. And why that happened is really fucked up. And it's, yeah, and it sucks. It sucks, man, because Katie Holmes did a great job, I thought, in Batman Begins. Yeah, I agree. Although, I, I don't really like that Nolan created a whole new character. I would have just had it be Vicky Vale. I, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. I don't like when there's, you know, a treasure trove of characters to pick from yeah. from the mythology. When you just make your own, I think mm-hmm. it's lazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a little disrespectful to, like you said, the plethora of shit. Yeah, exactly. To kind of flesh out. Because you've got, you know, you could have a whole another devoted fan base come see your movie. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, yeah. And then Batman, you're reinforcing Batman fans. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And Batman's had some, you know, iconic female love interests you know, got vicky vale you got talia you've got real well, selena kyle well here, here you go i mean imagine margot robbie playing vicky vale like, <laughs> that would just be unbelievable obviously she's already done the harley quinn stuff but yeah. that someone like that you know someone who's in their prime right now and i would have a great character to have i would have picked naomi watts personally oh my god yeah i mean no, no <laughs> arguments here i love naomi uh, especially at that time yeah 2005 naomi watts Oof. she was I mean, that's when she did doing King Kong. Yeah, she was just, she's amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, this is great. Um, <laughs> so Penguin's introduction is played like a horror movie. 
Yes. Very cool. You see him in shadow. You see his like weird, you know, messed up hands touching the bars of the of the uh, sewer. Snagging, snagging the cat. I love that when yeah. he's in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> and then he grabs Shrek and they go to his lair and you see him just feeding the penguins and he just goes like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite bit of that is when he goes, I believe the word you're searching for is, ah! Yeah, he screams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, fucking so good. Perfect. <laughs> it's played so well. DeVito fucking kills it. He's so creepy. Extreme. Weirdly over-sexual. I don't really get oh, that. Oh yeah. I, I actually, I, there was a stretch where I was like, mm, I don't like this, but now it adds to like his, it adds to his, um, disdain for, for society and his, uh, his, in his inability to, to attract people because yeah. of who he is and how dark that is. And, um, I, I, f- I find the Joker character to have some of those qualities of like, who the fuck is going to be into me? You know, I am, I can't, you know, like, well, I think Joaquin's Joker is doing a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole storyline with the girl had stuff, that stuff wasn't real. Yeah. It was fucked up. I think messing with that, that it's weird to say void because at one point <laughs> Penguin, Penguin says, I'd like to fill our void. And it's very weird, you know, but it kind of adds to his, the like really just sad part of his psyche, the mental side of his whole, whole world uh yeah. i, I kind of I, I don't i don't know if i like it but i think it adds to his weirdness and his unhinged I mean, the scene with him and catwoman is like oh my god this is so weird but do we really need that like it, no i think no, penguin no. is weird enough without that I, I i agree i agree i think it i don't think it would take away or add, i think it'd be fine without yeah well i think that stuff is partially why warner brothers turned on burton after this I mean, yeah, I would think. I would think that the only reason, because the action sequences are so good, the characters are so good, I think it is this, the sexual stuff and the, the the fact that people like complain about how dark it was and, and whatnot. That's 100% why Burton was like, eh, I think we're going to move to somebody else. Yeah, True. So, how do you think Selena Kyle became Catwoman? Because that's something that's always yeah, confused me. So, that's a weird one, right? Where she falls out the window and clearly dead. Like, what is it? Forty stories or something? I mean, it's a massive fall. She goes through these those tent things uh, with the Shrek logo, so cool, and then and then falls. And Shrek doesn't. He's like, oh, whatever. Right? There's a dead body right outside my building. Oh well. Yeah, clearly pushed with force. Yeah, has, has fallen like yeah, yeah. And 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 then uh, cats start licking like her tongue and her blood and like her head and her hair and I she guess just, all of a sudden she becomes a cat. She now just, has nine lives. Okay. Or eight now. I I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah I, I can't. Yeah, I it's can't such a significant, you know, personality shift from such an odd situation. I don't know. That, it has never made sense to me. No, it, it never <laughs> will. I don't, I don't think, you know, she's Selena Kyle is like fidgeting with the coffee and then she so, falls out the window. And Selena Kyle really is dead. Yeah. Like, whoever this new person is, is not her. No. And we, you know, get to, see that by the way she completely trashes her old life so bruce wayne actually never actually meets selena kyle yeah the first time he sees her is when she comes back with the band-aid and that's when uh shrek is like oh did you have an accident on the slopes or whatever and that's when there's like immediate attraction between bruce wayne and once she has the mask i guess i, I don't know isn't that weird and bruce wayne has his mask on because he's bruce wayne at the time it's like that's when he noticed her or that's when he got attracted to someone after vicky vale was 
this weird relatability of the mask thing when they're supposed to be their normal person. It's very bizarre. Well, I think in Selena, Bruce finally found somebody he didn't have to hide from. Yeah. He found somebody who could, he could love as Bruce Wayne and as Batman. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, once in a lifetime situation. And Selena's found that too, but it scared her. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, I think that's a good, really good interpretation of their kind of connection immediately. The attraction where he's not only like, Oh, she's beautiful, but there's something, there's something here. Yeah. He, he mentions that to her. He's like, you got kind of a dark side, don't you? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, Pretty cool. It's really cool. That and stuff is really cool. Even if you can't explain why she became that dark side, just falling out of a window and getting licked by cats. You know what? It could be basically like she, you know, she had such massive head trauma and then cats are all around her. She connected that mentally and just built for a new personality from that. Yeah. This is Gotham. Oh yeah. Anything can fucking happen. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've, 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 we've talked about how there's a half penguin, half human character. So yeah, I mean, you know. yeah. Raised by penguins and circus folk in the sewers. Yeah. Why yeah, not? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I think, I think some of my favorite bits are the beginning before it's like the first 30 minutes of the film before we connect the dots of everything that's happening. And before when Catwoman goes back home and she's, you know, clearly her demeanor has changed and there's the cats are everywhere and all that stuff. I really enjoy all of that kind of quick, but good character introduction. Yeah. And then the, the stuff with Max Shrek, <clears throat> I mean, at one point he says about Selena, he's like, why, well, you know, but she makes a damn good cup of coffee, you know? And, this fucking I'm shit. Afra- I'm afraid his we son, have, yeah. God, his son's such a shithead. Chip. Too. Yeah, I mean, Chip might, uh, that's not a good name for a guy who's going to be the heir of like a Fortune 500 company. Cool stuff I found out about Chip. First off, dude's got the thickest neck I've ever seen. 100%. <laughs> Massive guy. Like, unless, you know, Ooh. unless Max's wife was like, you know, a bodybuilder from Romania, I don't know how the hell he has those genes. <laughs> And I love that he's trying to do kind of a Walken-esque voice himself. Yeah. That guy, later on in his career, was Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw remake. What? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> How about that? Holy shit. I, I always wondered, that guy never really went anywhere. It's the neck. It's the damn fucking you neck. You can't be cast as a relatable dude the, if you've got a neck thicker than a fucking tire. The blockhead, <laughs> thick neck, yeah. Oh, that's I, hilarious. Yeah, unreal. <laughs> I love all that stuff in, in, in Batman Returns. The first 30 minutes of pretty much purely a character introduction and showing some some strategic stuff. And yeah. and then it, it kind of gets just wild. That Especially the last hour or so, I'd say, once um, the Ice Queen, uh, Ice Princess, when, when Batman goes on this nasty-ass zipline to, to her, the movie changes completely. That last hour is, like, nuts. It's bonkers. Yeah. I... I, all right, as as sad as it was to see an innocent woman die like that, the Ice Princess ice was, princess, a, yeah. was adult. <laughs> My oh, God. Yeah. Penguin Man walks into your dressing room and is clearly going to throw something at you and you think it's a camera. Yeah, Are you what fucking is kidding that, me? a camera? Oh, God. <laughs> There's some cheesy moments in this movie, like super cheesy that are hard to ignore, like the banter between Batman and Catwoman, like when he tells her, eat floor, high oh, fiber. Jesus. God damn it. Those, to, those one-liners will, will never escape the Batman movies, will they? It's comic books. Yeah. yeah. They're always going to be cheesy no matter how serious you make them. <laughs> There's a, a line that always made me laugh was when the clown man steals the mayor's baby. 
and then just walks up to the microphone and goes, I'm not really one for speeches, so I just want to say thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Hurls himself down the sewer. Uh, Like nobody stops him in that moment. Genius. (laughs) Surrounded by people. Nobody makes a gr- like a grab no, for it. No, no, Gotham's <laughs> full of shitheads. Yeah, it really is. The 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 people are a joke. The yeah. people of Gotham are just as bad as the villains they let take control. And you know that's that's part of the, the fun of like revisiting Gotham over and over. And it's like worse than the United States somehow. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> yeah. Gotham has always been like a super you know, ex- exaggerated version of New York city. Yeah. 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 Like, like 1970s nasty New York city. Yes. Yeah. Taxi driver basically. Yeah. Which is why Joker was so cool. Cause they really, really did that. They really took the taxi driver approach to New York and did the approach to Gotham and, and Joker. Well, Joker, I think more than any of the, any of these movies really showed how fucking despicable the city is, how everybody on every level from, you know, homeless to governor is a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. And not really worth saving. And yeah. that's the weird thing about Batman's endless crusade is it's going to be endless because these people never stop. There's always another Joker, another Penguin, another Riddler, because they come out of this rabble. They come out of this city. They are the people he's saving. And the fight never stops. And I love those moments where Batman contemplates, is it worth it? Oh, And you yeah. see that a little bit in a lot of these movies. You don't see it a lot in Returns. Um, you see it a lot in um, Mask of the Phantasm. Oh my gosh. That's, that's the best part of yeah. that film is that tone of Batman being of, like, yeah, contemplating his own life. He found somebody and he's like, you know, telling his parents graves, like I made a promise, but I didn't know I was allowed to, I didn't know I could be happy. Like, do I still have to do this? Like set me free. Ugh. Holy shit. That is deep <laughs> for, Super. for a cartoon movie yeah. made by war, like WB entertainment that, that no live action film has touched. No, has really has really gone there, you know. You know, and I, I think know? Christian Bale's would have done a great job at really. He does a few times, you know. And, and rises, I love when he's like, "I don't have anything left to give." Like, yeah, I'm fucking spent. I I can only go so long. <laughs> well, I don't think we really get to stay with any of these Batman long enough to have that feel earned. That's the problem. Yeah, I know, man. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be really cool if we if we maybe 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 Pattinson could be? That's a good example. A guy who's you know younger who could carry the torch for say 15 years, you know, and do what Daniel Craig did with bond. Wow. How cool would that be, man? If we've got to have those moments of Batman kind of growing the actor growing into the role, kind of like Chris Evans did with captain America, just like, just let him, let him feel it. Let him be in multiple movies. And now you're right. We've never gotten that, that connection to, this guy who's like his, his whole thing is, is what I'm doing just kind of pointless. Cause at the end of the day, there's just always gonna be someone step up, but then you're like, no, no, someone has to fight. Someone has to stand up and fight. Cause think about how much worse it would be if no one fought, if there was no Batman, if there was no one trying to do good, if there was no Gordon. Think about how much worse it could be. You know, this could be hell. If you really let Joker run things, if you really let Penguin run things. So you do have to fight. And, and Batman's like, eternal uh debate in his own mind of that is like the best thing about the character it's the best thing about like those characters in movies not just superhero movies but a guy who knows what he knows what what's at stake and knows it's gonna be really difficult and has the contemplation of should i do this or should i try to be happy and free (laughs) 
Well, that's why Batman's my favorite of these characters, because he has to wrestle with those decisions. Superman doesn't have to worry about that. Superman is saving the universe. He's saving the world. He knows it's worth saving. He knows what he has to do. With Batman, the stakes are much lower in that scale, but in his mind, it's as high as they need to be, because yes. he's fighting yes. for the soul of this city on, yes. a day, on a nightly basis. And we see that from time to time in the films, but they don't really approach that side of it very often. No. It's not easy, I guess. <laughs> no, people don't... I think, you know, the wider audience don't like their superhero movies to be too philosophical. They don't like to have to think at these movies. Yeah, I, I think that's why... I think that's why there's such a huge, huge fan club of, like, Logan, and there's some people who are like, nah. Yeah, they're exactly. Like, they're like, that's not a superhero movie, but some people are like, no, 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 that's what I want. I want that human, like, connection of what would I do in this situation? You know, if the world is on my shoulders, um, I think one of the smartest things Marvel has ever done is the, is the Iron Man scene. You know, I love you 3000. Mm. It's like genius, genius to, to put that human aspect into Iron Man of this guy who has this fucking thing in his chest (laughs) and can really do anything with his money and with his suit to put that, that connection of him and his daughter. Whoa. Well, it it takes it to a different level. It puts, a whole new level of pressure on Iron Man. In the scene where he has the gauntlet, where he is about to snap Thanos out of existence, he's not saving the universe. He's saving his daughter. Yeah. And you understand that. Giving her a future. That's why Endgame is so fucking beautiful. It's a masterpiece. That's why it's so rewarding, because you do, you're on that journey with RDJ, and there are some bad movies. There are some bad moments, and there are some moments where you can tell he's like, fuck, you know, everyone get on the same page as me. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Tony Stark. The rest of you need to, need to do your job. And you watch him become from, from, from Iron Man one to end game. You watch him just literally become Iron Man, become a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Become a goddamn, yeah. Like an American hero by the end of it. And it's, it's like kind of true and worth it because of the time. And we have never, even come close to that kind of a journey on the DC side of things ever, ever. I mean, think about how, how, how many different things we've taught. We, we, yeah. oh, you have to break it up constantly. They keep Burton, re- Schumacher, yeah. Nolan, and now Affleck now, you know, Reeves, Jesus, they reboot this shit every three years. How are we supposed to get attached to these and, characters? And they don't correlate. They don't make any sense. And Joker's been done. I, you know, I, I, I think Joaquin Phoenix, you know, the Todd Phillips Joker is a good movie, but I really was like, dude, we just did this 10 years ago. Can we get a different different character? God damn, it's a good movie. Made a shit ton of money. Was great for the movie industry, but but I I I wish they would fuck with the other stuff, you know? Yeah, give us a chance to fall in love with these guys. That's why Infinity War hit so hard oh, because we yeah. love these characters. We yes. had time to get to know them. To see them lose like that was devastating. The and the buildup of Thanos, the buildup, the 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 fear that is instilled without having to see him. The fear that you have of, of, of Thanos is the exact same fear you have with Voldemort. Like, I don't, I don't think I want to see this guy. And when he comes up, he's unrelenting and he actually pulls the fucking trigger, which so many villains don't actually yeah. do. They fuck around and dance and la 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 la. And Thanos is like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, my agenda is my agenda and it's getting done. And that's why Infinity War is one of the greatest superhero movies ever because it actually went there. Yeah. It actually went there. It, the villain won. He went for a whole year. We were like, damn it, damn it. We don't know what's going to happen until Endgame came out. And you're like, oh, fuck. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But even then, you know, there were uh, irreversible stakes. Prices were paid. Prices were paid. Straight up. Mm -hmm. I mean, Gamora. Yeah. Gamora, Black Widow, Tony Stark. 
Yeah. But you look at the DC equivalent of that, and I guess the closest you can kind of do is Justice League. Yeah, a cartoon. A bloody cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> the, Which is great. Yeah. I love, we love Justice League, but come on. We've gotten, mm-hmm. a, 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 you know, a 15-year John of live action, the same actors over and over with, like, half of them are great movies. It's crazy. Yeah. Unreal. DC. DC. <laughs> but but Returns is, uh, I've always had in mind, like, man, imagine if they would have. Like imagine a, if they would let Burton just do this for his career. Like if Burton was the John Favreau of DC and he like yeah. established this wider holy shit. Yeah, I think about that all the time because I think about how strongly he he put his tone in those two movies and how successful they were, eighty nine and ninety two. They were, and then it just it, it got changed. That's the craziest. And no one no one had to do what he did to make Batman yeah. look good again. <laughs> That's the craziest thing that like doesn't make sense to me is Burton did not fail. No, Batman and Batman Returns were huge hits. But Warner Brothers still were like, yeah, the movies are selling, but the toys aren't selling. It's, it was an image thing, it which really is like was. so fucking annoying because you want you want Batman to be the, the outlier. You want it to be the kind of fuck you because he doesn't have powers. And that's like for people who don't like love superheroes, yeah. they love Batman because Batman is a dude who has all this money and all this crazy equipment. Yeah. Ah, yeah. But then again, in 2013, they fucking reversed it and and re- thought you know oh the audience loves batman so let's make every character as dark and brooding as batman and then we got man of steel where we had this dark brooding superman yeah and that's not that's not why we love superman we love yeah. batman because he's dark brooding and does the right thing we love superman because he's the boy scout who grounds batman yes they they're opposites for a reason they work they're best friends for a reason and D, I don't know what's going on, man. They, they, this all makes sense in the cartoon. Yeah, it's perfectly right? established. Like it's, it's so well established, <laughs> well fleshed out. Yeah. You could just copy it. This is not impossible. <laughs> it really isn't. It's so easy. And, and, and for, you know, there's so many fans uh, of this stuff that, that care, that really care and look to this stuff to distract them from life. And when you mess with that and kind of take it away, well, it's going to make everyone to want to turn to MCU and turn to Marvel because they're taking care of their shit. They really are. So, the Batman, Matt Reeves, you got a lot on your shoulders, buddy. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what else do you got from Returns? Yeah, what else can we... Because uh, there's there's plenty of things to, to keep talking about. All right, big question. <laughs> yeah. Where the hell did Penguin get blueprints for the Batmobile? That whole bit of him being able to take over is like, wait a minute. Can we have explained that a a little bit? It's hilarious and it's a great scene, but love it. That is not like in the, you know, Wayne Enterprises archives, the Batmobile (laughs) blueprints. He had to do so. Like, how the hell did he get that? No, I I don't know. It sets up a line of, you know, Oswald Gobblepot's school of driving, but you're like, yeah, but but how? Yeah, it's funny. (laughs) And I love that. Like you see them very in detail, like, you know, put, wires and shit all throughout the Batmobile. Yeah. Amazing nobody walked past that. But also, I, the I, only... I love that in movies, right? Where, yeah. yeah, this, like, massive, horrible, yeah. illegal thing is happening. Yeah. But the way Batman dis- disrupts it is he just rips one thing off the bottom of the Batmobile and suddenly everything's fine. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. It's my special wire, yeah. Like, and then later on, when the penguins storm the city, there's nobody there. <laughs> the city's empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what was, like, a football game on or something? Yeah. <laughs> The Gotham, what do they call them? What are they called? The Gotham. The, I think it's the, I want to say the Knights. Gotham Knights. Yeah, because that is a cool, really cool bit that no one did. You know, uh, yeah. they filmed that in Pittsburgh when the field just drops in. That was cool. That was pretty sweet. What a lovely, lovely voice. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think that's hilarious. Like, uh, 
those things that happen in Gotham, uh, in Dark Knight Rises, uh, Nolan's movie, uh, oh, I cannot remember his name. He's the mayor. Garcia. Yeah, he says, I got a football game to watch when, like, huge shit is happening in, in, in Gotham. These massive, you know, we got to take down this this Bane guy. And he's like, no, I'm going to watch the football game. The like, Gotham sucks. <laughs> there's an internationally wanted terrorist who is trapping the entire police force underground. But I got to see if the Knights are going to win this. I don't want to know what Gotham would do during COVID. They'd just be, ah, we don't, they'd be worse than Texas. Yeah. My God. <laughs> Batman, you know, the only part he's not wearing a mask is the, yeah. <laughs> he'd be fucked too. <laughs> yeah, Bane, Bane would be fine. Yeah. Bane would be fine, totally. And it's not like the Joker can, I don't think any more toxins going to fuck him up. Yeah, yeah. And the Penguin we've seen can like take on crazy stuff. Yeah. So he, I, he might be okay too. Freeze will be fine. He, he can't get sick. <laughs> A cold's just gonna Scarecrow, make him stronger. Scarecrow can just Scarecrow's fine. Yeah. Ivy, I think, will be fine. It's really just Batman who's fucked. Damn. <laughs> and Catwoman, you know, she's yeah. Black Mask will be all right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> He'll be fine. Oh, good that's boy. great. Yeah. Co- COVID uh, in Gotham is a yeah is a very scary thought when Gotham's already a shit show. Yes. How they would handle uh, <laughs> a disease like that? Who knows? Um. <laughs> I love the scene where Max introduces his plan to make Penguin the mayor by tempting him with fish and leading him down the stairs come on, come on. and then showing him like this campaign headquarters he's established. And even Penguin's like, why are we doing this? Yeah, <laughs> like, what? It's December. Like the election just happened. Why are we doing this? <laughs> oh, he's eating raw fish. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, I love that part because you have these people who are clearly hired to try to like make him yeah. look presentable They're campaign people. They're yes men. And God, he just, they have not dealt with this kind of guy. No, they just, <laughs> he, he just fucks with them. Uh, she's like, okay, maybe another time. And then he bites that guy's yeah. ear or bites that guy's nose. Not many reflective surfaces down in the sewers. Huh? <laughs> what a great, what a great snarky remark. Yeah. Still could be worse. My nose could be gushing blood. I love that. And the guy's like, what, what do you mean? But he just yeah. bites his fucking nose off. And, and, and it's, if I saw that, I think I would just leave the building. So I'd be like, I don't think I want to be in a place where a guy could maybe do that to me. Well, I love Max's damage control is, all right, everybody, let's make a mayor. Yeah, get back to work. <laughs> this is that Nixon thing. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Walking, killing it. It's so weird. And, and then you have, yeah, they're kind of talking about, this is why Shrek wants to do this. He's like, hey, I don't, I think I can get enough signatures, this and that. And, and, Penguin's like, ah, okay, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. Mayor Gobblepot. You know, he starts kind of picturing it in his head. and I need you, Oswald. Yeah. I need you now. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's picturing people needing him, yeah. People wanting him, people voting for him, people wearing shirts and holding up signs for him, and he's like, ah, that would be nice. You know, it's something he's never experienced. Yeah, he's never had adoration. No, no one's ever, no one's ever, you know, said his name. Been like, hey, Oswald, good job. No yeah. one's ever done that. Mm-hmm. He's been around a bunch of penguins and freaks his whole life. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking crazy. I love the way Max convinces him and Penguin's like, all right, I'll be mayor. Yeah. <laughs> like that's his whole, okay. He just walks and away. And he just goes back upstairs <laughs> up that spiral staircase to do whatever. Yeah. When he feels up that one girl and he's like, it's about, like, I'm like, I finally get used to this mayor stuff. It's about yeah. reaching out to people, touching people, groping people. <laughs> Such a sick bastard. Well, it's like, it's like Trump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, he puts, how about a pen? Puts the pen on her and is like, grabbing her breasts like, a yeah, button. this is yeah this is this is donald trump yeah. max i think well, at the time you know trump wasn't a politician he was a businessman so i bet max heavily influenced 
by, by Trump. Trump. Well, yeah, the hair. Yeah. 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 Max, you know, For Shrek sure. Industries, Shrek Department Store. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Total oh, dickhead. Absolutely. <laughs> I could totally see in the 90s Trump backing some mutant freak for go- from office. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Rudy Giuliani. There you go. <laughs> he fucking does look like the penguin now. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. After all, no, 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 no. We're not sorry. Borat 2. Good movie. Good movie. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> so one part I've always thought was kind of weird because it makes Bruce Wayne look like kind of a shit was when he's doing a he's looking into Oswald and Alfred brings him his dinner and he takes a bite of it and he like spits it out and he's like it's cold <laughs> and Alfred has to be like um it's vichyssoise it's supposed to be cold and Bruce just looks at him like oh but just like the fact that he like went um Alfred it's cold <laughs> <laughs> Just makes him look like such an ass. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, like he's complaining at a restaurant. Like, take take this steak back; it's undercooked. Yeah, like just for a second there, he was the billionaire douchebag. Yes, which Christian Bale does really well a few times. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I own the restaurant. Yeah. I'm buying this hotel yeah. and setting some new rules about the pool area. I, th- I think they can put these tables together. Yeah, <laughs> fucking douche. Shows up to his party with three girls. Yeah, yeah. Goddamn. I believe in Harvey Dent. (laughs) So let's go through Penguin's whole plan here. Yes. Plan A, become the mayor. That didn't work out. Plan B, kill the firstborn children of Gotham City. Yes, to get back at how he was treated as a child. Plan C, nuke the fucking city with Penguin Army. (laughs) Suicide bomber penguins. Yeah. like That are going to go all into a certain plaza. One plaza. They're all supposed to be... I, I never understood that either. If you really want to have an effect, why don't they spread out a little bit? Not just one plaza, an empty yes, fucking plaza. <laughs> an empty plaza where no, no people are. Where I would think that there's got to be a group of people who are like, oh my God, there's penguins everywhere in our city. Let's go look at them. Right? If there's 400 penguins walking around downtown San Antonio here where we live, I guarantee you people are like, I'm going to go fucking see that shit. That's crazy <laughs> well i gotta hope that after all the events of the psycho man called the penguin who tried to take over the city a uh, large amount of penguins would maybe make people be a little bit you're right he also does uh during that whenever uh my uh batman bruce wayne does the speech thing and over his speech yeah. and is like ah, i played this city like a harp i that part he starts shooting out of his umbrella so maybe they're a little scared of yeah the penguin guy now i love how quickly the crowd turned on him it did not take much it took like one audio bit for them to yeah. be like, oh, and lower their signs. I, I do love his exit though. When he starts shooting and he just jumps onto that guy. Ah! Ah! Like with that like oh, loud shriek. So Frank Reynolds, yeah. <laughs> Someone's getting stabbed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fucking great. Exactly. AIDS <laughs> coming through. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I love Batman Returns. That was beautiful. Oh. I love his little comment about like, why does somebody always bring tomatoes to a speech? Yes. He's being pelted. Okay. Okay. So Bri- Brianna, my girlfriend hadn't, hadn't, hadn't really, really seen this movie. I've like really watched it. And she said, why are there tomatoes at this? And then he goes, ah, and I was like, oh, that's what, that's what a comic book should do. Comic book movie should do is, is kind of play with you and then answer you right away with like a very, very silly, very comedic answer. 
So I love Penguin's whole speech to the like to the penguins where he's like he's like fucking Patton. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. And I'm so glad we watched Patton not that yeah. long ago because it went hand in hand, made sense. It's like, my children, the time has come. It's so fucking the liberation. It's so stupid. But it's so like you feel the stakes. It's the music or it's his performance or something. It's it's hundred percent yeah. Danny DeVito making me believe that this matters. <laughs> It's like, you know, the way he screams, the liberation of Gotham has begun. Like crazy fucking psycho. It's and, awesome. and yeah, it march. And they all, the penguins start just diving in one into the water one at a time. Like he's trained them to do this over and over. So yeah. cool. So cool. I love it. I think it's, a, I think it's a, uh, one of the best scenes in the movie when he yeah, stands up and gives the speech of like, all right, it's down to us now. <laughs> no one's going to help us. It's the penguins. So good. And then we get, Batman interrupts the signal, sends them all back to the sewers, and Batman and Penguin finally have their confrontation. And I love that Penguin just kind of pissed at him at first, but then he sees that he's taking control of the penguins. And yeah. He's like, my babies! And like loses his shit. Starts swiping at him with the knife umbrella. <laughs> Perfect. He says that great line, like, you're just like, you're just mad because I'm a genuine freak and yes. you have to wear a mask. Yes. <laughs> Which is great. I love those jabs at Batman, mm. yeah, because that's all he's got. That's all he can do. He got he has Shrek in like a big monkey cage. Catwoman shows up and gets Shrek in a really freaky way. <laughs> his his corpse like electrocuted is <coughs> fucking creepy. And he and she when she whips at him and it goes like in his mouth and yeah. like pu- she pulls him back. I'm like, Man, Shrek is getting yeah, that and that's he's like, money, money, what do you want? You want anything? Like I can I can get and she's like, nah, dude. Yeah. You hey, none of that shit can help in this conversation. Is that I when s- he says like I don't know what you want, but I know I can get it for you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's still a salesman. He's still like, you know, jewels. Yeah. Blood. I gave at the office. Like he's, yeah. he's not understanding he's in mortal peril here. Yeah. Cause yeah, he's yeah. Max Shrek. There's nothing you can do to get out of this. Yeah. I love Bruce rips off his mask and Shrek's like, Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up like Batman? Fucking moron. I love it. <laughs> it's great. I love that. He is Batman. Yeah. yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. But Bruce to have like the, like he really he loves her enough to take off his mask. That's to impressive. try to, to try to convince her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's interested enough in her, uh, not only in her, uh, like attraction wise and as like a person that's someone that he wants to pursue relationship wise. He sees that there is a dark path that we can all go down. Yeah, and he understands what it's like to combat it. He wants to help her combat that dark side. In a way, yeah. Catwoman is kind of what Batman would be without Alfred. Yeah, yeah. Without any direction. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Guidance. Yeah, somebody. Just a dark person. A person with a dark side, just like he says. Yeah. Yeah. Batman uses that dark side for good. Right on. Yeah, what well, that's that's the whole thing, right? That's what we love about it. Yeah. It's the coolest, coolest shit that you can do. With with super <clears throat> with superheroes, it's like the counter. You know, it's the it's the whole Yeah, you can have Superman, but Batman's like the the one that re- will really make you think. And I love that, that counter of like Superhero and then Batman. Batman's its own, kind of its own thing. Well, that's why, you know, The Dark Knight Returns is so big because we get to see Batman beat the fuck out of Superman and, like, tell him, you know, I'm not going to kill you, but in all your times, you know, for the rest of your life, Clark, I want you to remember the one man who beat you. Yeah. Me, motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) Batman. I beat you up. (laughs) I took you down. Yeah. In front of everybody. Yeah. Mm. So cool. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, is there anything else you want to bring up from Batman Returns? No, I think we've done enough. We've almost neared two hours here. Uh, 
it's it's really a a movie worth that. Uh, we typically don't like going like uh, uh, Batman Returns is two hours and six minutes, and we typically don't like going over that, but we might today. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind. It really is so dear to to my heart and and to to ours to ours both. I think, and it's one of those '90s movies, Christmas movies, Batman movies, Michael Keaton movies, all the above. That it just kind of kicks ass. Tim Burton, you yeah. know, all these things yeah, check all the boxes, and it, it just works. Well, you know, we'd like to cover too much and not enough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- th- this is one. You know, we've always known you and I like. This cast is just special for us. We like these people. Really yes. enjoy their careers. Absolutely. So here are some filmgasm facts. Number one, Danny DeVito remained in character between takes. He was the penguin the entire time. <laughs> ah, I gotta find my trailer. Yeah. As soon as that makeup went on, he was the, the fucking penguin. It's awesome. It's terrifying, but it's awesome. Um, I bet a dime. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> During one scene... For God's sakes, Martini! <laughs> this is a dime! <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. It didn't register at first, but then I, I thought about it, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's, it's Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> well, I, I've always thought there's somewhere in Burton that watched One Flew Over and was like, I'm going to use both of those fuckers as villains in my Batman movies. <laughs> <laughs> Jack and Jack and old boy Danny. Fantastic. So during one scene, Michelle Pfeiffer had to put a live bird in her mouth. They had bird puppets on set. Pfeiffer thought they all looked too fake, so she actually put a fucking bird in her mouth. Good, good. (laughs) You can kind of tell. It's a crazy scene. I I, I better, you know, I better be getting an eight, nine figure salary if I'm putting a fucking bird in my mouth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Number three, David Bowie who had been previously considered to play the Joker in Batman, was the first choice for the part of Max Shrek before Christopher Walken was cast. Bowie turned down the role in favor of one in Twin Peaks' Firewalk With Me. Hey, <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, you know, David Bowie, he uh, he has a fun moment where he's like, kind of in Twin Peaks, where he's kind of like yeah. running. I don't know if that would have worked for uh, Max Shrek. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really see it too, too hot. I, I think... Christopher Walken has the the edge. I think Bowie would have been an interesting Joker, for yeah, sure. Yeah, agreed. Or Riddler. Yeah, Riddler would have been cool. Yeah, I think there's plenty of things he can do within a, like a superhero world, uh, or could have done. Rest in peace, guy. Yeah. Just an absolute legend. I mean, uh, I lean back on my radio. Yeah. Number four, Michael Keaton revealed that his favorite scene was when Batman smiles at the tattooed strongman after putting the bomb on him, and then just punches his ass down the hole. That's Michael Keaton's favorite scene. <laughs> Batman does that weird-ass dark smile and it just poof, yeah. knocks the guy out. I forgot. And then he explodes. What the fuck? I mean, that's that's cold-blooded murder. Love it. And I, this was cool, because I've seen this movie a hundred times and I never knew this. Number five. When Selena comes home to her apartment and turns on the answering machine, the message that talks about like the guy she was seeing who has to go do the Christmas getaway alone because his doctor said he has to be his own man. That's Tim Burton. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I love that. He's the appendage. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. To not be an appendage, <laughs> that monotone voice. I love that. That's great. <laughs> that's Tim. That's fantastic. I, it's a little stuff. I give Batman Returns an eight. It's a highly entertaining, 
now I would say underrated Batman Adventure. Fantastic, untraditional Christmas movie. Great watch. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to rate. Um, there was a time, you know, good ways back now, we did an episode with uh, your Uncle Sean on Escape from New York. And you and I both rated the movie, and he was just like, there's, there's nothing I can really quite say that'll be fair, you know, as for a rating. <laughs> I feel that way about Batman Returns. It's kind of just, it's just kind of a part of me. If I had to, I think I'd say nine. I don't think it's quite a, but then I, then I'm like, I love it though. So it is a 10, you know, it's kind of one of those, fuck you, it's mine. You know, yeah. it's a 10 for me sort of movies. Uh, uh, but I, I understand like it has its issues <laughs> and plot wise, there's, there's just questions that aren't answered, but man, the atmosphere, the, the characters, uh, the score, those things all together. It's, it's one hell of a ride for two hours. Yeah, man. Straight up. So to close out today's show, we decided to do another draft. Hell yeah. But this one's a little different. Instead of a movie draft, we're going to do a Batman villain draft. Yes. We have a selection of Batman films from comics, movies, and TV shows. We're going to pick and choose to try and get the definitive group of Batman villains. And we're going to, like, you know, lump in every version of the character. So if the Joker's on the list, that's Heath Ledger, that's Joaquin Phoenix, that's Jack Nicholson, Mark Hamill, Cesar Romero. It's just the Joker. Yes. And we'll, you know, discuss our decision to like why we chose these characters and talk a bit about Batman's rogues gallery. So here we have 25 characters to choose from. I'll read them off for you. We have Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, Two-Face, The Riddler, Ra's al Ghul, Scarecrow, Max Shrek, Bane, Poison Ivy, Mr. Freeze, Carmine Falcone, Black Mask, Harley Quinn, Clayface, Talia al Ghul, Hush, Killer Croc, Victor Zaz, Deadshot, Mad Hatter, Phantasm, Red Hood, Deathstroke, and Hugo Strange. Very interesting. Most of these guys have been in a movie at one point. Yes. Uh, A couple of them still waiting for their big break, but they've been in animated films, they've been in video games, they've been on the cartoon series, so they're known. Yeah. If you don't know who some of these characters are, take a moment, pause, Google, find out. Yeah, yeah uh, pretty pretty simple. We, we cut it at 25, make it nice round, even, you know, well, it's not an even number, but 25 is always a good place to cut it off. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, we're going to pick five each and kind of just, you know, discuss why we chose these characters. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really going for guys that I connect with and think would, you know, maybe work well together, you know? Yeah. Well, how many do you want to pick here? Five. Five each. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, um, you want a coin toss here? Just like a two-faced toss? <laughs> If we have a coin, oh, have we do. A, I have a coin. Let's do it in honor of Two-Face, because he's sure as hell getting taken at some point. All right. Hopefully the coin toss noise registers in the mic, because that would be awesome. Heads, you live. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> Tails. Tails. Heads. Ah, you get first pick. All right. Or, or you could just kill me, like in the, <laughs> in the movies, yeah. Well, I'm going to go, tradi- you know, we did a coin toss. I'm grabbing Two-Face. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that would have been my first pick, too. It's just great. Two-Face is possibly my favorite Batman villain because his story is so tragic. I love Fall from Grace stories. I love good guys who become villains, and I love the reverse, bad guys who become heroes. Yeah. But Two-Face is the ultimate one of that because he was such a good person. Mm-hmm. Harvey Dent was Gotham's white knight. He was a, you know, the district attorney who was going to change things, and then, yeah, fucked up with acid and it ruined his psyche and we have two face now 
and Batman is constantly night after night having to battle a man who was once his, one of his best friends. Yeah, so cool. And the whole, you know, the coin toss and the, the makeup, every everybody who does Two-Face in the comics and the TV shows all have to do their own take on the character, and he's always so coolly de- designed. Yeah. And um, I think Aaron Eckhart was incredible oh. in, the, in the film. I thought Tommy Lee Jones was campy but entertaining. Yeah. And I can't wait to see where this character goes next. Oh, I know, man. That's a great pick. That's what I would have taken first, too. Um, well, what I'll do here is... Um, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to go Rachel Ghoul. Aha! Uh, I think maybe the coolest character as far as, like, man, the background of this character is just fucking wicked and so, yeah. so, so the depth to it, right? A thousand years of possible backstory. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we're Two-Face, I think, does have my favorite ride of any of any of the villains. And my favorite possibility for adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. That's the most interesting character to me, but... Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, Rachel Ghoul is the, the importance and, like you said, the near a thousand year history to pull from. I think he's a good guy to start your team with. Yeah, and um, in terms of the film, I thought, you know, Liam Neeson, Ugh. who doesn't traditionally play villains, did an amazing job. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest Liam Neeson fan. I just think he is, like, lights out in Batman Begins. Absolutely. <laughs> My favorite scenes all involve him. Yeah. Is Ra's al Ghul immortal? Yeah. Are his methods supernatural that whole bit just gives me chills <laughs> it, it, incredible the batman begins the first like 30 minutes of batman begins are some some of the more important shit to me like as a kid when i was watching movies and being like, oh my okay i like i like this i like explaining i like this origin story thing you know i didn't know exactly what it was at age 10 yeah but it definitely hit me you know mm-hmm. I, I like that they're explaining why this guy is the way he is <laughs> he's played by What's his name? Alexander Sadiq, I think his name is, in Gotham. Mm. Highly shitty <laughs> um, version of that character. Sucks. So much wasted potential. When they when they introduced Ra's al Ghul, I was like, oh, God, this show's about to take a yeah. big old left turn. And then he was dead in, like, three episodes. Yeah, I haven't watched much of that show at all. Because I, I can tell it'll just kind of make me upset. Tremendous waste of time. Yeah. Um, and then Matt Nabel played him on Arrow. And again... Wasted potential. It could have been done so much better. They were trying to make Green Arrow kind of their Batman for the CW universe because they couldn't yeah. use Batman yet. And uh, Matt Nabel, just a, he has kind of a gut. He's a little mushy down there. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want a mushy Ra's al Ghul. If you're going to be a thousand-year-old assassin warlord, you better be fucking toned. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Liam Neeson. Yeah. yeah. Or wear a suit <laughs> yes. so I don't see it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Fucking fake me out or yeah. something. Yeah. I love the way the character was portrayed in Arkham City, the video game. The video game, yeah, yeah. So yeah, great pick. Yeah, I like I like him. I think he can lead my my team of villains. Yeah. And for the record, it is pronounced Raish Al Ghul. A lot of people say Raj. Yeah, yeah, because Batman Begins overlooked that little detail. Raj Al Ghul. Yeah. Like one bit that I have yeah. a problem I have it's with that. Frustrating. <laughs> I am gonna go a little off the wall here and pick Mister Freeze. Wow, okay, I like it. The potential is uh, frightening. Mr. Freeze might be the most brilliant villain in Batman's rogues gallery in terms of intelligence and terms of heart because he doesn't want to be a bad guy. He wants to save his wife. And there's glimpses of that in Batman and Robin. Unfortunately, that's that's what most people recognize as Mr. Freeze is, you know, the Iceman cometh, let's kick some ice, all that dumb shit. Mr. Freeze is such a tragic character, and he's portrayed so amazingly in the cartoon. 
And which was really like gave new life to that character because Mr. Freeze was kind of a one-off comic book character. He was in the 60s cartoon, but as a goofy, you know, jackass who wanted to, you know, freeze stuff and steal diamonds and shit. When he was revitalized in the cartoon, he was a brilliant scientist who was involved in an industrial accident with liquid nitrogen that permanently transformed his body where he can't live beneath sub-zero temperatures. His wife was diagnosed with terminal illness. He froze her until he could find a cure. But in order to find, you know, get enough capital to find that cure, he has to steal money and jewels and shit and rob places. And it's really turned him into a dark soul. Yeah. But he's had moments where he's put that aside to work with Batman for the greater good. He's a very cool character, and I really want him to get his due. He was played pretty good in the in the Gotham show. Um, I don't remember who played the name of the guy, but he was also um, Frank Underwood's like main secret service agent in house of cards. Okay. Okay. Uh, very well done. And I just really want that character to be recognized as who he is, not as Arnold spouting off one liners, but as a yeah. brilliant scientist who wants to do the right thing, but he has no opportunity to do so. Yeah. And that's not, this draft isn't about Arnold. It's, it's not about, about the it's movies. About, it's about the idea of the villain and what yes. its potential is. I, I love that pick. That's really cool. Yeah. A lot of stuff I didn't know there. Um, yeah, pretty cool. I'll, uh, I'll take. I'll, I'll go obvious. I'll, I'm going to take Joker off the board. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't really even need to say anything. <laughs> He's he, you know you know the most iconic villain maybe of all time, uh, fictional obviously. He's uh, been portrayed really well by multiple people. I, I you know I'm I'm a firm believer that Heath Ledger will probably never be topped. I think he understood exactly exactly what what the character is and totally disappeared. And so I always kind of turn to that. Whereas a lot of these characters haven't been fleshed out properly. That one has. Yeah. Probably over overkill. It's not really a lot more you can say about the Joker. Like, no, it speaks for itself. I, I just, I, I do think, you know, Mark Hamill is just so wicked talented at, at going to certain places with the voice. And Jack Nicholson was, was awesome in 89 and Joaquin is doing his own thing. And Todd Phillips, their, their kind of like obsession with with that character was really cool to see unfold. Uh, yeah, there, there really is. It speaks for itself. He's one yeah. of the only characters where you can kind of point to, oh, all of this shit. It's been done over yeah. and over. And it will continue to be done, you know? Yeah. And there's even the, you know, the understated performances like Michael Emerson in The Dark Knight Returns. Exactly. And, you know, um, John DiMaggio in Under the Red Hood. Oh, I love John DiMaggio's excellent. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool to see even like Zach Galifianakis in the Lego Batman movie. Yeah. Everyone who does their own interpretation of the Joker stands out. Yes. For better or worse. And it is cool to see the, the giant scale of actors who've done that. Who have gone for it. Yeah. yeah it is impressive. It, it, it just makes sense to me that the guy that I think went for it the most went for it and didn't come back. Yeah. And that's like this character, it shows how kind of dark it is that we all love this character so much. How people just connect with these wicked, chaotic, no redeeming qualities. We like love those characters. We want to wear them on our t-shirts and get tattoos. Why so serious? And people are obsessed with Joker. But he's this horrible, horrible character that when played correctly, the the, the person playing him is, is you know, going to take a chunk out of them too. And yeah. with, with Heath, it took all of him. And, you know... We talk about the stuff all the time, like movies and whatnot, but it's none of it is more important than someone's life. None of it. None of it is more important than someone living or, you know, living or dying. And like he actually gave everything he had to a performance 
And you have to have to respect that. That a guy, a guy actually did that with this character. It's, it's fucking nuts. It is. And it's a big part of the mythology behind that performance now. Mm-hmm. And the bar has been set so high that I don't think any actor is ever going to reach the, that level of intensity and uh, dedication that yeah. Heath Ledger brought to that performance. And what he would have gone on to do Oof. after that. I mean, he became a, he would have been a superstar. He'd be 40 now. Right now, he's 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 the same age as Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Gosling. He's in that same generation that, and he'd be the best. Yeah, he'd be the king. He'd be he'd be in the smack dab middle of his acting prime. Mm. And again, we 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 love talking about movies. We love oozing about him and praising him and talking shit about him. But it's you know when you lose somebody to a character, it's just it's fucking sad. Yes, indeed. Damn. I knew one of us was going to grab Joker. Yeah, it's yeah, you know, we we really could have just left it. He the work speaks for itself. The the interpretations, adaptations, all these different things. So, what's your uh, third pick here? My third pick is Scarecrow. Damn it! I should have taken him last time. Uh, I should have just taken him there. Ah, fuck! I love characters that embody literal fear, and Scarecrow is that. In spades, he portrayed brilliantly by Killian Murphy in all three of Nolan's films, uh, a character that kind of underrated until that movie came out. And then he became a yeah. pretty firm favorite. He's the main villain of the Arkham Knight game. Very big, you know, character in Arkham Asylum. Injustice. He's a great he's a great character in that. Yeah, <laughs> he's awesome. Scarecrow is so creepy. Oh. The idea of this fear toxin that can like you don't even know you're infected with it until it's too late. And you just start seeing, you know, your fears manifest and he can do this to Batman. Like that is, and who has, you know, more scary shit in their closet than Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way Scarecrow fucks with people and back to Arkham Knight, uh, John Noble played him. Oh, nice. And Jesus Christ, was he scary? (laughs) His face was all mangled because of killer croc fucking him up earlier And he's just, you know, going on Gotham's TVs and saying, like, I will just, you know, descend this city into chaos by midnight. And you believe it. You fucking believe it. <laughs> I think few Batman characters are as evil as Scarecrow. Yeah, that's why I wanted him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wanted him bad. Yeah. I should have. I almost took him first. But then when you didn't, I was like, oh, maybe I can wait on him. <laughs> Stupid instincts. Got to trust Stupid. your instincts. Because because that is to me. Yeah, that, that is the most like. Most underrated character and, and the one that if I could have a movie about Scarecrow, I would, you know, I would see that a thousand times. Hell yeah. All right. Um, you know, I, uh, I want, I want a female on my team, but I'm going to take a, a much different approach. I, I'm going to pass on a cat woman. Mm, I think I'm going to go poison Ivy here. Okay. Poison Ivy. My main reason is because I love playing with her on the game injustice. <laughs> and I do think that this character much like some of the ones we've talked about, Mr. Freeze deserves something totally different, something totally new, a new new adaptation, and I think could be really cool. Uh, the design in the game is fucking sick, and it's something I want to see on the screen. And if I could have someone play her now, oh boy, who's the right age? Ivy? You don't yeah. really need age with Ivy. You Not just kind of need I, a certain body type. Yeah, I, I, I do I do want someone who could who could maybe, you know, reappear so maybe someone who's not you know terribly old maybe um 
Ooh, like Charlize Theron. That's exactly who I was thinking. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, someone like that would be perfect. Would be really cool to to kind of take over that. Yeah, that physique is perfect for for Poison Ivy. Kind of, kind of like not not petite, like you know, like a, a you think of a woman, but kind of strong and a little bit taller. Like Charlize Theron has kind of a stature to her. Well, and I'd like like in Mad Max, she's kind of yeah. like damn. Like, well, I'd like to see Poison Ivy as a character who kind of. Uh, goes against the sexual stereotypes. Exactly. A character. I want, who, I want it to be more about the skills, the yeah. combative skills. Yeah. Because I feel like Poison Ivy is so over-sexualized in you know, everything she's ever appeared in mm-hmm. that I'd like to see a, a, a performance that focuses on the intellect. So she's a scientist. Exactly. And the intellect and the dedication to human death on a grand scale. And one of the coolest <laughs> names ever. Poison Ivy? That's such an awesome name for, for, for a hero or a villain. Either one. And... Yeah. I think, like all those things you're pointing out, more of the re- more of a reason to give this character a chance and really give it like a human aspect, not just like you said, sexualize it, make it this eye candy for whatever fucking man is in the movie. Make yeah. it a real character. Just like you know, Uma Thurman's performance was goofy. Yeah, her. Char- I love Uma, but yeah, I, I just there's there's way better things that should happen with that character. Her character was butchered in Gotham. She started out as a nine year old girl in the first season. Whoa. Goes through some like super plant metamorphosis, emerges from a cocoon in season two Jesus. as like a 20-year-old girl with the mental capacity of a nine-year-old girl. Still the same character, just looks older and hotter. What the and then they recast the actress like two seasons later with a completely new like uh maturity because they realize that this is really fucked up what we're doing here. It's just it got ridiculous. <laughs> oh, Jesus God. <laughs> Fucking hell. For man. a Batman fan, Gotham was like watching a fucking warehouse burn down. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, don't, I, I, it's, uh, I can't like expose myself to that. Yeah. What they did with the Joker was probably the worst. I probably don't even want to know. Because oh. I know the guy from Shameless. The kid, the young kid played him. I, I don't think I even want to like see it. Or... Well, you're gonna. Because <laughs> I, I gotta vent this shit. Go for it. <laughs> so they introduced this character of Jerome Valeska. In the first season, as this like circus guy who murdered yeah. his mother, and at first he's this you know crying sad sack of a teenager, but then as soon as Gordon outs him, you hear the cackle, and at first and you're like oh shit this kid's the Joker, that was a cool moment, where the kid just like looks up from his sobbing and he is smiling with his giant grin cackling and you're like oh shit that's him, mm-hmm. he pops up later in season two, uh, has his like face carved, um, he rips his he tears his face off later on gets it stapled back on. Uh, he gets shot, brought back to life. Uh, yeah, this isn't even... Yeah. So, <laughs> at some point in the show, it's revealed that he has a twin brother, Jeremiah Valeska, who's a sane, nice kid. Jerome falls off a cliff, or falls off a roof or something, leaves Jeremiah a gift of concentrated Joker toxin. The toxin explodes in his face, and he has that moment at the end of the killing joke where he's like clutching his face and he's turning white and the smile. And you're like, Oh shit. Then it's revealed that Jeremiah at some point was already psychotic and he was the real crazy person of the group. And I know. And what at some point, um, Jeremiah becomes obsessed with Bruce Wayne wanting to be his true brother. It's like, I'm going to make you realize that nobody's worth anything but me, Bruce. And he's, Uh. he's got the purple suit and the green shirt and the white skin but he's still Jeremiah because legally they couldn't call him the Joker. <laughs> Second to last episode of the show, he falls into toxic waste, emerges into a like 
he's in a coma for like 10 years, comes out of it, white, like further bleached skin, uh, very little hair, calling himself Jay. And then from there, he just is saying like, one day, Bruce, I'm going to get you. And that was kind of it. Oof. So all that set, like four seasons worth of setup for one character, kill him, reveal another character as the actual Joker, and then never do anything with it. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh, I've been holding on to that for like three years. Yeah, if you thought the Schumacher stuff was a shit show, yeah, and just wait, Gotham. But that's, that's on that's on Fox, right? Yeah, yeah. Five seasons of garbage. To be fair though, Cameron Monaghan, fantastic performance. Is that that's the kid. That's the kid. That's his name. That's the kid that's in Shameless. Yeah, he played Jerome and Jeremiah, and I guess if you want to consider it a new character, Jay. Jay. <laughs> Not Joker. Jay. Jay. I'm Jay. It's funny. There's like a scene of him experimenting with different names, like Jester. No. Uh, Jokester. No. <laughs> He's Just almost Jay. Yeah. He'll get there. God. He'll get there. <laughs> Lord have mercy. But yeah. I think TV in this, writers. Just, I know. Ugh, lost. <sighs> I think in this new Matt Reeves universe, he could really do justice to Poison Ivy, and I'd like to see that. Yes, that would be wonderful. So this is your going to be your fourth pick. One, two, three. yes. And I'm taking Bane. Nice. You need some muscle. Get the get the uh, get the the powerhouse. I love Bane to death. He's got the coolest oh. origin story, <laughs> and I don't care what anybody says. I love Tom Hardy's performance. <laughs> Beats the hell out of Jeep oh. Swenson's performance. Bane! Yeah, no. So, in the comic book, Bane, his father, uh, um, owed a lot of money to a local gangster in um, South America somewhere. And his father dies, so Bane, at birth, is put in prison to fill out his father's sentence. Bane grows up in the dark, in the dank prison. Yeah. No name, just Bane. And he emerges in this prison, a strong single-minded animal <laughs> and he takes Gotham away from Batman. It's a comic art called nightfall where he literally picks Batman up, breaks his spine over his knee. It's an amazing moment. Oh, that's <laughs> like the dark Knight rises that, yes. yeah, that fight. Yeah. And Bane, what I think a lot of people lost because of Batman and Robin is his intelligence. Bane is a, like he is a cold calculating genius with the, like with 500 pounds of pure brute strength. Yeah. He's the best of both worlds, and he is probably Batman's most dangerous foe because he's got everything. Yeah. And that's without the venom that he injects into himself to make himself even bigger. So, yeah, Bane is a badass. He's ruthless. He's insane, and he's fucking awesome. And I love Tom Hardy's performance. We got to see crazy, psycho, smart Bane take Gotham away from Batman. Yeah. And that was cool. It, it it was there's God there's some moments in in that where Tom Hardy's on a different level yeah he is you adopted the doc yeah, yes. I was born <laughs> do you feel in charge yeah <laughs> God, just so good his his dialogue is fucking perfect <laughs> yeah he's I, played in the final season of Gotham he shows up and he's no build up just I'm Bane now he's like one of Gordon's friends who was in like this the, is happening who was in the army is like. Also, I'm a bad guy, and he gets killed, but he didn't really get killed, and they give him a gas mask, and now he's fucking Bane. <laughs> we're just supposed to, like, accept that. My favorite, my favorite scene of Bane is, is the, at the beginning on the plane. He's like, whoa, okay, yeah. this guy's different. Jesus. Mine is when he fights Batman for the first time, because Batman goes in there thinking, he's a chump, I'm going to take him down. And then after the first punch, he's like, shit. Yeah, yikes. And Bane's like, 
what do you got? <laughs> no, I was trained by the League of Shadows too. I know your tactics, Bruce. What do you got? Yeah. <laughs> and he just picks him up over his fucking head and, and says, he snaps him. Yeah. Man. I was wondering what would break first, your spirit or, or your, your body. body. <laughs> Boom. Fuck, man. To see this guy wreck Batman like that is yeah. unreal. Yeah, and when he punches his, his yeah. mask and takes it off and is holding it and just kind of... The like, shadows betray... Like it's a, yeah. It looks like a chip in his hand. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a fucking Lay's <laughs> potato chip that he's just holding and flicks it off. Like. The shadows betray you because they belong to me. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Goddamn. And, and Hathaway has no choice but to watch and be like, I suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I let him down this path. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, is probably, that is probably my favorite part of that, of that movie. I think Dark Knight Rises is one you should reevaluate because I I watched it whenever I did that top five. I, I think it's I think it's quite slob. I actually think mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway is is bad. And mm-hmm. I love her. And Tom Hardy, the Bane stuff. I don't have uh, prior knowledge of his stuff, but my my I'd be I'd be silly not to mention my older brother Jeremy, who hates the movie Dark Knight uh-huh. Rises and hates the Bane mm-hmm. because he says it's from what I know. I, I I haven't read a bunch of comics. He says the the mask and whatnot is not doesn't really attain to the original Bane or, yeah. or this or that. He's like, it doesn't really look like what I had envisioned for all these years, uh, reading all this stuff. Uh, I, I take that into account, you know, uh, and then I hear your side. And I, the movie, the movie for me, as it stands, I give it a seven, mm-hmm. but maybe, yeah, maybe it could rise up a little bit. I don't know, but I think it's funny. Like the Bane stuff, I like the voice, like, I think it's all really quotable and funny. See, Bane scares me. Yeah, he did. Joker, Joker scares me much more. Heath Ledger and, and and Murphy, Scarecrow, scare me much more. See, in terms of not looking like the comic book character, nobody in Nolan's ver- universe no. looks like the comic book well, character. My my brother Jeremy, uh, I'll, I'll have to say for him, if I'm speaking for him, he, he has his issues with all three, for sure. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the Raj to Rage. Rage to Raj. Uh, cool, yeah. That is annoying, I yeah. agree. He, he's a big fan. Yeah. yeah. I love you, Jeremy. <laughs> well, I'll give him this. Um... The character is whitewashed. That's unfortunate. Bane is Hispanic. He's got a luchador yeah. mask on. Yeah. So I, I I get that. Yeah. But in its own universe, in its own it's little world, dope. Tom Hardy I think does a decent job. He does a when he does Tom Hardy does a fantastic job of building himself up to be what he was in that this this meat this block like you said five hundred pound of pure strength. Yeah. I believe this guy could break Batman in half uh, for, for sure. <laughs> oh, oh oh yeah. If 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 I'm to be you know, punched by Bane or Joker. I'll take Joker all day. Yeah. But, but I, I, Joker has this like, you know, has the, the unhinged, like, uh, Oh, he's probably got explosives in his jacket. That stuff is, is for whatever reason in movies, more frightening to me, but in real life, Bane would be like, ah, I would run. I would just yeah. run. Well, throughout <laughs> all three Nolan films, like you don't have a really physical match for Batman. That, that's true. Until Bane until, shows up. Yeah. And he overmatches, outmatches yeah. it. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's, that's true. <laughs> Especially if you're, yeah, you're a kid. Yeah. You're watching these movies, and you're like, Batman's not going to lose. And then, uh-oh. I saw The Dark Knight Rises at the movies four times. I saw it twice. <laughs> I, was... I actually I actually said to my to both of my older brothers when I saw in theaters, like, that was the best movie I've ever seen in my life. I was 17, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I said that when I walked out of Endgame, and I was right. You, you, still, st- <laughs> you, st- you still stand by it. I, I, unfortunately, a lot of my favorite movies I haven't been able to see in theaters or, like, older films. or, or Yeah. But there are those moments where you walk out of something like, Holy shit. And Dark Knight Rises, I, I had that. You know what else had that for me? Spider-Man 3. And I was dead wrong. <laughs> oh, I walked out of that and I knew it was shit. I thought I thought it was, I thought I was so cool. You know, oh, Spider-Man, you know, I think it came out in 2007. I would have been 12. 
thought I was so badass. And I watched it again, and I was like, this is not good I re- at all. <laughs> I remember sitting there so excited. Like, of course. And then as, I, as the movie progressed, my smile got less and less... And, and then I was like, here? "Why?" By the time he gets the hair, you're like, "Oh no, this is this is not a good movie." But I, and then once Venom showed up, I was back to like, "Ooh," because I never seen Venom before. Topher Grace, I know. And then the weird thing is, the day before I saw Spider-Man Three, I was playing with my action figures. Yeah, and I as do one does, I used to make up stories and scenarios and shit. And I was playing with Spider-Man, the yeah. Green Goblin, and Venom. And Spider-Man and the Green Goblin, I shit you not, teamed up to take down Venom, and the way they beat him. Goblin threw a pumpkin bomb at him, <laughs> blew him up. So I was, I had a moment where I was like, oh shit, I'm, I'm, I can see the future. I'm a genius. Like, wow. I'm 12 years old. I, I, you know, to be fair, I didn't see Spider-Man 1 or 2 in theaters. Oh. I saw them at home yeah. after we rented them at Blockbuster. So mm. my, my movie experience for those is way different than yours. So I thought I was really cool seeing Spider-Man 3 because I finally could go see PG-13 movies. Yeah. You know, like my parents would let me. Because then I, by that time I was 12. But when the first one came out, it was 2002. I was seven. I was not allowed to go see PG-13 movies in theaters mm. or obviously R. So like, I, I just didn't see a lot of those, those like adventure and superhero and blockbuster movies until they came out at blockbuster <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would watch them at home or, or, or my brothers would rent them or whatever. So it's much different. Like, whereas you had the knowledge of like, this is shit movie <laughs> at, at age 12, you could see right through it because you saw those other two in theaters and you're like, this is not as good as those. Yeah. Even at 12, you, you knew that. You could decipher that. Well, you know, I've been seeing, you know, movies have always been an event in my family. Like, my, yeah. my, my mom took me to see Harry Potter. When I've seen all of those at the movies. I've seen only one of those in theaters. Every X-Men movie. Like, no. these were important, significant childhood moments for That's me. That's probably where the disconnect is, where yeah. I, like, dog on the Nolan trilogy. Yeah. It, I, I, it's not something that I like can totally connect with. Uh, that's so cool though. I love, I love when we figure that shit out. It's cool. It's fucking awesome. Those, those differences in, in movie and movie minds. And we just add, you know, we added Julie to the team who has a way different movie mind than both of us. And I can't wait for all three of us to kind of like have those, have those times where we can bounce off of one another different movie yeah. paths. Well, that's what we've got is different, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yes. <laughs> different, different strokes for different folks. So that, okay. That was your fourth one. Yeah. All right. Let me do my fourth so we can finish this damn thing off. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Penguin. Give, give, fuck it. Give me Penguin. Uh, okay. I love this character. I cannot wait for, for what Colin Farrell is going to do with it. I think it. I think it's one of the most interesting and ridiculous characters in all of Batman. And, of course, we talked about Danny DeVito at length. So he was, he's my ideal kind of Penguin. But I think Colin is going to do something very cool with it. I love Penguin's depiction in the Arkham games. Cause I, need, he's, I need to play those damn games. Dude, you haven't? No, my brother, my, again, Jer- I'll, I'll keep shouting him out. He's played them and I've watched them a little bit, but I'm not a video, I'm not a big uh, video game guy. So damn, I don't like uh, a, a lot of games you've probably played. I just haven't really touched or I've just seen people play. Do you have a, uh, what, what game system do you have? PS4. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you something on the way out. <laughs> um, I can, yeah, yeah, I'll be up till five in the morning tonight. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, he played like the way penguins portrayed is this kind of like five foot two cockney gangster who got in a bar fight and got a bottle shoved in his eye. So he doesn't have a monocle. He's got a fucking like bottle trapped in his head. And if he pulls it out, he's going to die. So he's got just a bottle here. He's got a cigar and he just talks like this, you know, and it's, yeah. he's such a piece of shit, but Colin Farrell. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I hope so. It's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. That's going to be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And we just talked at length about how much we love DeVito's penguins. So. Yeah. Yeah. And 
yeah, enough said there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Peng, Peng was great. I, I had a feeling he was going to be taken by one of us, and I'm glad I got him here. All right, that means my fifth pick. Yeah, here's the last picks here. Oh, mm. man, we got a lot of good good characters left. We uh, do. Man. Oh, I, hmm. I'm going to take the Red Hood. Ah, good call. Good call. Finish out your team. Jason Todd has one of the most unique stories in the God, in the Batman's universe. Yes. He was Robin. Uh, he was not a very good Robin. Fans did not like him. So in a very unique situation, the fans vote, um, allowed the comic, sorry, DC allowed the fans to vote whether or not Robin survives in the next issue or doesn't. And overwhelmingly, they voted to kill Robin. So that's why we have that iconic scene where Joker literally beats Robin to death with a fucking crowbar. Crazy. They couldn't just like have him get shot or die in an explosion. It had to be the most brutal death possible. And uh, something that I've like, why has that not been live action? What are we doing? I don't know. Another reason to dog in DC. Like, what are we doing here? That that scene would would like change everything. I mean, if you saw if you if Heath Ledger could have been just beating the shit out of uh, whoever playing Jason Todd. Oh my god! <laughs> I know, right, man. Ugh. <laughs> Late, much later on we have this character introduced called the Red Hood who shows up in Gotham claiming to be the new guy in town who's going to clean up the town and the way he cleans up the town is he fucking kills every criminal he finds yeah and he is after the Joker kind of like all over the scale yeah. too which is what I love he has no like he's no oh well that was a weaker crime no he's like I'm going to take you fuckers down he kills the thugs he kills the crime lords he kills the serial killers anybody who he thinks is taking up space in Gotham and he wants the Joker dead and he wants Batman to see it so we're wondering, you know, who is this guy? And it's revealed over the course of the story that he's Jason Todd, who was revived in the Lazarus pit by Ra's al Ghul mm-hmm. as like a way to pay a favor to Batman. But what this revival did is it fucked up Jason's mind, made him sadistic, took away his soul, basically. Yeah. And now he wants revenge. But it doesn't work out like that. You know, I love Red Hood telling him, like, of, like, of all the people he's killed, like, why have you not taken care of this? Yeah. Like, oh. how many lives would you save if we just killed him right now? Especially, like, you let him kill me. How could yes. you do that? Yes, It's such a powerful moment. It, it is, it is. It goes along with what we were talking about, like, uh, Batman's whole psyche of, like, fuck, like, yeah. am I even doing the right thing? Yeah. It's bonkers. And then, of course, you know, Red Hood does change sides, becomes one of Batman's partners again. But I love that arc of just a damaged Robin coming home Ugh. for, you know, vengeance. Could be such a good live action movie Holy really good they teased it in batman versus superman but they never they never did anything with it no of course not <laughs> all right let's finish this thing off proper uh i'm gonna go ahead and take tom wilkinson uh <laughs> <laughs> falcone uh yeah a, a, pro- a proper crime lord uh a guy who could be in so many movies right has no <laughs> he could be in the departed you know yeah. this 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 guy and really represents gotham for me and tom wilkinson does you come down here with your fucking, re- <laughs> your gun, your big words. And he's he, he embodies exactly what I see as a Gotham kind of mob boss. That's power you can't buy. Yeah, that's the power of fear. <laughs> he grounds that movie so well. Yeah, he does. That scene. That's probably my favorite scene is when Christian Bill goes to talk yeah. with him. And I'm here to tell you that not everyone in Gotham's afraid of you. Yeah, only those who know me, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn. So good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got I got to have him on my team. I, I also just love. Mr. Tom, Tom Wilkinson. I, I really enjoyed how we got to experience him on a totally different level in the bedroom on Oscar Sunday episode, like four. Yeah, that was a while ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, 
the guy continues to kind of like change my opinion on him. Yeah. As I just see more stuff from the past. And that's always, always fun to do with an actor. Hell yeah, man. That was fun. Yeah. That was cool getting to re- like evaluate these characters. So, yeah, I mean, we could go through all of them, but <laughs> we would be here for another two hours. <laughs> yes, indeed. So your picks were. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go down the line. We got Joker. We got Rage Al Ghul. We got Poison Ivy, Carmine and Penguin. Cool. I had Two-Face, Scarecrow, Bane, Mr. Freeze, and the Red Hood. Man, <laughs> yours is scarier than mine, I think. <laughs> Mine's a little more silly. And, and I mean, I have Poison Ivy, who we like we haven't seen a proper... And, and then I got Carmine, who any of those people could just beat the shit out of. So. <laughs> Your team would kill mine, but I like my team. <laughs> I like my team, too. I've got more of the tragic villains, kind of like the you know Fall from Grace characters. Well, the fact that you have Bane, I'm just like, I don't have a match for that. I can't. Well, Rajah Ghoul, maybe. Hey, I'd like to see that. That'd be a cool fight, right? League of Shadows and Bane, who's like just the most dominant guy to come out of League of Shadows. It'd <laughs> be cool. Fuck yeah. Damn, this is a big one. It's all for today, everyone. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you're enjoying the holidays. Oh, yeah. Next week, we're staying in Tim Burton's universe with a film that has been a favorite of ours for nearly all our lives. What happens when Jack Skellington, the king of Halloween Town, discovers the joys and wonders of Christmas. In this glorious stop-motion adventure, the ghouls and goblins of Halloween try to put their horrific mark on Christmas. Don't miss next week's animated classic, 1993's The Nightmare Before Christmas. What's this? What's this? (laughs) A lot of singing next week. It's going to be fun, 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 fun. Can't wait. And don't miss our look into Die Hard on Oscar Sunday. And also don't miss the debut of our new podcast, The Sneak Preview, on January 4th, 2021. In the meantime, don't trust amphibious penguin men or psychotic cat women. And we'll see you next Wednesday.